Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How do you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, Let's round up the faceless and get some pajamas. Dude, I didn't know my head was a bank. That's fucking awesome. I want to eat so many Tootsie Rolls, I just shit a tire. I jerked off with this towel so much, it might be a surfboard. Mr. Schmidt is an entertainer, not a cool. Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy. Podcast. Folks, I said I wasn't going to talk about tech stuff. Uh, well, I guess I didn't say it to you guys. I said it to myself. Mike, don't talk about tech stuff, I said to myself as I was sitting around thinking to myself whether or not I should talk about tech stuff. And I decided wholeheartedly, there was a, it was a consensus of one, ladies and gentlemen, I wasn't going to talk about tech stuff because, look, millions of podcasts are out there, but they got producers, they got people monitoring everything, and so they don't have to talk about tech stuff on the air. Maybe, you know what, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. I think to myself, nobody wants to hear about tech stuff, but maybe because all of the other podcasts out there are, no, are, are now so professional. They get everything done properly. Maybe you guys turn to me for tech talk. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm the new, uh, I'm like the car talk idiots, click and fuck or whatever the fuck their names were. Uh, click and frack? Clack, dummy. How would I not know that? Click is it's CL right there. Why would it be click and frack? Uh, by the way, you do not click and frack is a terrible, terrible puppet show. Oh my Christ. It is a, uh, it is a guy who continues to surf the internet while his buddy is destroying the environment. Don't <laughs> subscribe to click and frack. Uh, that's a podcast I'd listen to though. It's one guy talking about all the things he's found in the bowels of the internet, and another guy talks about shale. Oh, don't you want to hear about shale, folks? I think the only thing you want to hear about more than shale would be tech stuff from me, a guy who knows nothing about anything. That's me. I'm the guy with a zero. I'm the guy with an empty thought bubble above his head. When everybody says to me, hey, what do you do when this wire goes into this plug? And I go, duh, I don't know, duh. I say duh a couple of times. And then I sneak off. And then I think to myself, you know, I should learn about wires and plugs because uh, I'm the only guy here doing this show. If somehow... If in in a, a swooping uh, destruction of the rest of the internet, I'm the only podcast left. Uh, people are going to come to me and they're going to know where's this plug go into this fucking cord, and I'm going to go, I dude, I get no idea. Why would I be producing the only podcast left? It's my own podcast too. I'm doing this one and I produce this one. I'm talking myself down here, folks. I'm telling you a lot of stuff about me that sounds like it's false, but it's totally true. I don't know anything about anything. I push a button. A show happens, and then I send it out to you guys. I push another button, and you get it. It's like a, like if you had a wombat trapped in a cage, and he's pushing the button, and he gets a pellet, a pellet, a pill, a pellet, and he eats it. Uh, he gets a pellet of food, and then he records a podcast, and then he pushes another button, and another pellet of food comes out. Boom. But it's reverse for me. I push the button, and I, I give you a pellet of food, and then I push another button, and there you go. It's closed up. The door closes until next week. And the next Thursday, another pellet of Mike Schmidt food slides into your iPod vagina, and you go, oh, mm-hmm, that's delicious. You rub your stomach, your tummy, if I may say so, if I may use a word that I hate. I hate the word tummy. That's a terrible word. I just, I don't like it. 
What other words don't I like? What if I ran down? What if today's podcast was just a list of the things I don't enjoy word wise? Uh, I'm also a little, uh, you know, tech talk. I'm looking here. It looks like I'm talking directly. Oh, maybe if I lower my head down. See, it's another thing. I'm learning. I'm at a different desk these days. Ah, that really did change my thing. Oh boy, I apologize, folks. Uh, the first couple of minutes of this are not exactly what they should have been, and now here I am directly in your ears. And and uh, fuck, this show is. Just, you'd think, goddamn. You know what's funny? 11 years, folks. 11 years I've done this thing. Now, granted, it's only been one year, or actually, it's been two years since I've been recording it and looking at the blue lines myself, but uh, but last year was the only year I did it alone. There was always somebody to tell me that levels were fine, and it looked like levels were okay here, but levels were okay, but the problem is I'm at a different desk. Let me talk about this now. Um, you know, with rebirth, we're doing the whole new apartment, and I'll get to that in just a few minutes, but with me rebirthing and making a new apartment thing happen... I'm at a different desk for recording purposes. I'm sitting here, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at a desk. I'm in my bedroom. I'm wearing slippers, which I don't fucking care for because, dudes, folk, if you can tell me this, tell me, help me out, man. How the fuck, how do you feel tough or manly wearing slippers? I don't, I, you know, I went through this shit when I lived with Jill or I, I stayed by Jill. I wore slippers all the fucking time and, uh, and I felt like such a pussy and it's the weirdest thing. Like, why should that make you feel like a pussy? But it just feels like... I got to have my shoes on to fight or get up and go at any moment. If the zombies come or if the war starts or if, if, if any roving band tries to go in and kick in my door, I'll have my shoes on. I'll be ready for fight or flight. But you can't fight anybody in fuzzy slippers. They just, although I guess you'd fucking, the, the second you squared up with fuzzy slippers, they'd just be like, <laughs> look at this idiot. And then, you know, you do, you kick them in the mush with a very soft kick, but still a kick. Nonetheless, you go right upside their fucking head with a fucking fuzzy kick. Who wants a fuzzy kick? That sounds like it should be a drink. There's a fuzzy navel. That's, uh, isn't that like a fucking, uh, it's like sex on the beach, but with, uh, but with, uh, with well, I was going to say with pubes in it. That's what it is. Sex on the beach with pubes in it. That's a fuzzy navel. Uh, no, but there's like a, a fuzzy kick. Sounds like it should be some kind of like, it just, that's just like fucking moonshine with, uh, with pubes in it. There you go. I'm making all these drinks up. I don't know where you're getting the pubes, by the way. I don't know if that's, I don't know if you want the bartender involved with that. And as I've said before on many shows and on this show in particular, who has pubes anymore? Good Lord. Get rid of them. They, we've got the technology. Get somebody to get some wax down there or a laser. Use a razor, a razor or a laser. Go razor or laser. I don't care. But either way, you got to go smooth up that floor. You got to shine it up. You got to wax on, wax off. You got to fucking get that. Uh, you got to get that Daniel son thing happening to your pussy or your or your cock. Do that. Get uh, or you know you get get Miyagi son to go boom and then do the rubbing of the hands. Then he just lays it on and your pubes will fall off. That's painless. Because laser or razor, that's one thing. It's gonna be uh, you know because you, look you can you can laser them off and then they're off forever from what I understand. Or you can razor them off and then they come back and you got to razor them off again. Or you can wax them and then that's uh I, I, that's the route I go as you know with me and my buddy Renee. We go ahead and we go with the wax. Um. Because I don't need to, I don't need to laser them off. I'm 51. I mean, waxing is enough, right? I don't, I don't need to go that route. I'm not starring, and I'm not on Grinder. I'm not starring in any fucking gay porn, so I don't think I need to go ahead and laser off my pubes. Uh, I'll just, I'll stick with wax. That's totally fine with me. And the occasional trim up. If I don't get to see Renee for a while, I got to just go ahead and razor it up. I can't laser the motherfucker. Um, besides, every time I try to laser off my pubes, a cat comes and he chases the dot and he scratches my balls. Oh, that's not fun when that you're lasering it off. Cause, uh, you know, I, that's how I use it. I use a laser with a red dot. I, I usually, you know who, you know, who does my waxing? The predator. He's just, he just has a fucking red dot that appears on my crotch and he lasers it off. And then a cat comes and he swats my ball bag around and that's no fun for anybody uh but how do you feel like a man wearing slippers i don't know how it works i just i wear 
Because, you know, with the rebirth, the new apartment and all that kind of stuff. Uh, oh, so wait, let's get back to the sound quality really quick. Uh, I'm at a new desk. So I was up here, and this is how I was talking, and so I wasn't talking directly into the microphone. I'm like, that's weird. But then if I shrink a little bit, ah, now you hear me now, I'm a little louder. Uh, we'll get over this, folks. We'll figure it out. It's amateur night here at Mike Schmidt's apartment as we try to figure out how to do a podcast after 11 fucking years. You would think I would know that you should talk directly into a microphone, but the thing is I usually tilt the uh, microphone up, but now it's tilted down, and I'm sitting up. I'm taller, but now I'm scrunching down, and now I'm going to get fucking scoliosis because i got to give you guys a goddamn show. Thanks. Thanks to everybody out there who went ahead and made sure that I got fucking sciatica because I had to bend down and be funny. <laughs> Dude, how'd you hurt your back? Being hilarious? That's totally how it happened. What, did you slip on a banana peel? Well, certainly that is hilarious, but instead I crouched to do a podcast. I crouched down like Karen Black at the end of Trilogy of Terror as she turned into the fucking Zuni fetish doll in real life. Called her boyfriend over, told him to come over, and she was going to fucking take him apart with a goddamn chef's knife. And I'll tell you this, Karen Black was barefoot. Now, if she was wearing slippers, would she feel just as frosty as a Zuni fetish doll wearing slippers? Could she still go ahead and kill her boyfriend? I don't know if she could. I don't know if a Zuni fetish doll wearing slippers would be just as aggressive as a Zuni fetish doll barefoot because they're used to being barefoot. And also, I'm going to be honest with you, if I'm barefoot, I'm a, I'm just as aggressive as a Zuni fetish doll. You get, there's a good chance now that I'm barefoot in my house a lot, I'm going to grow a row upon row upon row of pointed teeth and then just crouch down with a knife and wait for somebody to show up. I don't care if it's a mailman. I don't care if it's Carlos, the guy who works on my sink. Uh, I don't know. I got to tell you this story. This is totally funny. Uh, I think I told you when Pat Francis came over to go ahead and help me with my house, uh, he just fucking, he's my dad. So he went and painted everything and then he saw my sink and my sink was a dribbler. It was just fucked. They put a stopper in there. I think I told you guys this story. And when I asked uh, my, my manager about it, she's like, oh no, they want it to be like that. I go, yeah, but if you came and look at it, you would see it's, it looks like someone is holding their thumb over seven eighths of the faucet. Like nothing comes out. I would have to pool water in both of my hands in order to rinse my mouth from, from brushing my teeth. It was fucking grim. And she's like, no, that's the way they want it. They want that stopper in there. So then fucking Pat comes over. He goes, what happened to your sink? And I go, I don't know. That's, they threw a stopper in there. He goes, well, why'd you let them? And I go, I don't, I don't let anybody do anything. It's just an apartment. I don't want to be a squeaky wheel. So they go ahead and do it. And I just kind of cope with it. And he goes, well, fuck that. I'm changing it. So he comes the next day with a different fucking faucet head. He unscrews the one they had in and it had literally, again, it had like this wax or this plastic that was over like the whole fucking thing. And he's like, look at this. This, this isn't even fair. So he pulls it out puts the new one on, and, and so the sink lurks. It, it, it lurks. It does. The sink lurks. There's no doubt about that, but it also works. It works fabulously. It is a fantastic sink. Uh, however, like three days after Pat puts that in, I get a note from my manager. She's like, hey, Carlos has to come over and check out the sink. And I'm like, all right, well, what's going on? She goes, I don't know. Apparently that they just want to send him in there because uh, it's something about the state inspector, but we need to go ahead and make sure that the sink is... And I'm like, so you know me, folks. I fucking panic. And I, I just, I see it, and I'm like, I don't... Uh, how could they possibly have a water readout over fucking four days or three days from Pat changing the stopper? I mean, are they are they really charting the water? Because, again, I don't pay for the water in my apartment. It's paid for by the people in my building and not by the people. <laughs> it is. All the other tenants get together to make a collection and they pay my water bill. It works out great. Uh, no, the fucking building. Water comes with the, uh, with the joint. I pay electric. They pay water. It's the way it goes. So I thought to myself, could they possibly have seen that much of a change in me because I don't even use the sink that much. I brush my teeth in the morning and at night. I wash my hands certainly all day long, all day long. Cause I, I have OCD. Oh my Christ. Am I, and they're just, I'm swabbing it up. You know what folks right now, hold on. I'm going to go do it now. What if I brought you in there? I just walked around on my slippers. I padded in there and I, I washed my hands like a fucking infant. Goddamn. I feel like an eight year old boy in slippers, washing my hands all goddamn day long. Just grow up, just grow out of it for fuck's sake. Uh, but I'll make the slippers work. I'll have to, well, we'll get to it in just a second. So anyway, the fucking sink happens and, uh, 
So I text Pat. I'm like, dude, they fucking, they know. They know what's up. And he's like, what are you talking about? I go, dude, they're fucking coming in to look at the sink because they're freaked out about the fact that it's all. And he's like, why? I don't, how could they know that in four days? I go, I have no idea, dude, but I told you. That's why I don't want to be squeaky wheel in an apartment. I'm fucking month to month. I got no lease. They could come in here and go, oh, you fucked at the sink. You're out. He goes, well, tell me what they say. So uh, sure enough, Carlos uh, came by and he goes in and, uh, he didn't even look at the fucking faucet, man. He went underneath the sink and he checked out whatever the fucking tube is under there or the pipe or whatever. And he had to pull it out. And I guess the inspector told him he had to change that out. And he didn't, he didn't even, they didn't even look. They didn't even fucking care. So then I texted Pat and I'm like, yeah, hi, I'm dumb. I packed it for no reason. He goes, of course you did, dude. Don't worry about it. But I have to worry about it. Cause again, if anybody in the world is going to get pegged for using too much water over two days for changing the fucking water stopper, it's going to be me. And I actually thought, cause you know me, I worked myself into a fucking lather. Uh, I, I thought because we painted and we got the new carpet, they were looking for any reason to get me out. Like they were coming after me and just going, all right, buddy, uh, you, you used extra water. You violated the sink rules. Like all of a sudden I pictured my, uh, the owner of my building being like Willy Wonka at the end of the movie and just like, et cetera, et cetera, e pluribus unum, et cetera, et cetera. You changed a sink stopper after putting in a new carpet. You get nothing. And then I get to the fucking Denver boot. Nobody wants that. Uh, then I'm out of the street in my slippers. And that's, I'll tell you what, you think your fucking slippers are bad in the house, try to take them out in the fucking street. That is no fun for anybody. Jesus, fuck. I don't want to be out in the street with slippers on. I don't want to even be in my house with slippers on. So somebody give me a fucking, tell me how to fucking be tough in slippers. I don't have to be tough in my house. It's not that. I just got to feel better. And I know you're thinking, well, Mike, that's inside you, man. That's inside you. You got to explore what's inside you. And yes, I get that. But I just, I just can't, I'm not a slippers guy at all. It's not, it's not for me. Uh... But I, but also I, I do like them. I do like being able to just kind of slip them on, but I also liked having shoes and socks on all the goddamn time, but I can't cause I, and again, it's just a weird, uh, you're not fully dressed unless you're wearing shoes and socks and so wear just fucking, uh, slippers. I don't know. I don't like being barefoot ever. And I also don't like slippers. This is a lot about me that you didn't care about. Nobody tuned in here to hear about my feelings on footwear. Footwear Feelings with Mike Schmidt. Tune in. It's a new podcast. Footwear Feelings. Feelings on... What, what do you think is better? Footwear Feelings or Feelings on Footwear? Actually, I think Feelings on Footwear because Feelings on Footwear indicates that I'm giving you my opinion about footwear. However, Footwear Feelings sounds like I'm interviewing a shoe. Now, nobody wants to hear me interview a shoe. Actually, I apologize. Everybody wants to hear me interview a shoe. Nobody wants to hear the shoe reply back. Uh, boy, I want to talk to a shoe now. Now I got to get some fucking shoes in here to chat with. But all my shoes are over by the front door, and they're not even close enough for me to talk to them. Uh, well, you know, we'll put together another podcast. As I've mentioned, look, folks, I'm a producing entity now. I'm the guy in charge. Uh, I can't even get my fucking earbuds to work, so obviously I'm the dude who should be out there fucking interviewing shoes and bringing you their stories. Uh, they got a tongue. They should be able to talk, right? <laughs> look at me doing shoe humor. Schumer. I call that Schumer. I'm going Amy Schumer. That's what I'm doing. She's got a podcast. They gave her a million dollars. That's not even a fucking joke. They gave Amy Schumer like a million dollars to do a podcast. And then uh, she brought in like eight other people to do it with her. That's the best part. I mean, I'm sure she's paying all of her friends because that's what I would fucking do. If somebody gave me a million bucks, I'd just bring in eight of my friends to carry all the water. And I'd just be like, oh, I just laugh uproariously at my funny friends. She probably did that. She probably was like, oh my God, you're giving me a million dollars to do a podcast. And then uh, she immediately brought in Dave Attell to do all the heavy lifting. So she could just go ahead and go, oh, hilarious. Now, that's not a commentary on Amy Schumer or her comedy. It's a commentary on the fact that David Tell is the funniest fucking guy in the world. And if I can have him at my disposal, I would absolutely bring him in. Why wouldn't you bust that guy in your fucking podcast? It's like, hey, you're giving me all this money. I'd totally, I'd throw a hundred grand at a Tell to fuck. If I get, if I get a million bucks, I would absolutely throw like a hundred grand at a Tell to just fucking hang out and do the show with me. Um... All right. Yeah, maybe that's unfair. $900,000 and 100. That's not a good split nine to one. I don't think that's a really good split for a tell. He's probably thinking, hey, fuck, man, I, I'm, I'm infinitely funnier than you. You give me 900 and I'll take and you get 100. And uh, 
That's not a bad deal either. I'll take a hundred grand if I can just do a podcast with a tone. Because again, what's a podcast? We're sitting here talking. I'm sitting at a desk now. I'm doing this now for Patreon and, and whatever the fuck. Whatever you guys want to donate and send. I'm doing I'm doing this for the occasional sandwich on the road and whatever my Patreon money is. Uh, and by the way, let's cut to this really quick. Let's talk about Jeremy, our good friend Jeremy, who just fucking pitched in for uh, for Patreon. And thank you, Jeremy. You're the coolest. Um I'll get to that later, probably when I talk about the Patreon page. I don't know why it just, it just overwhelmed me that I felt like I should say it now, but I, that's what I did. But uh, but that's what you do when you're in slippers, folks. You lose control of your own show and you lose control of your own narrative, and that's what you fucking do. You just start bringing up anything willy-nilly, just throwing it right at you, just pounding it inside your iPod vagina, throwing it out, vomiting out thank yous in the middle of nothing, for fuck's sake. Goddamn slippers. Why am I wearing them? It's brutal. Uh, and so let's talk about this again, like the tech talk. We were, we were, look, I got away from tech talk, and I know you've all tuned in for tech talk. That's the main thing. Uh, we've already established at the microphone. I need to crouch down and, and just and get a fucking horrible mustard plaster for my back because I'll be in such pain at the end of this. Uh, a lot of wire work involved in this podcast. I got to get like one of those Wing Chow fat dudes who just throw me in a fucking harness and spin me the fuck around. I'll jump around. Like I said, I'll throw a spin kick at you, a fuzzy kick. Uh, I can do all that stuff. Wire work in a podcast seems wasted. Uh, like Def Leppard would tell you, wasted. Da 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 da. Now Max just hung up, or he didn't hang up because he doesn't listen to us on the phone. What if he did? What if he fucking he got his podcasts over the phone? Max didn't hang up. He just clicked out. If he listens at all, but if he if he listened to this, uh, he heard me mention Def Leppard. He said, "I'm out," and he just fucking backed slowly away from the computer because Max doesn't like '80s metal. Uh, Max doesn't like Def Leppard. He doesn't like. I tell you this: Max doesn't like leopards. He doesn't like deaf people. He doesn't like Joe Elliott. He doesn't like uh, Elliot, uh, whatever the fuck that movie was with the gay ballerina kid. What the fuck was that kid? He doesn't like Elliot Thomas. He doesn't like Joe Thomas. He doesn't like any of these people. Joe Thomas, former Cleveland Brown. He doesn't like any free association you could think of between Elliot and 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 Def Leppard and Joe and all. He hates it all. Uh, Billy Elliot, that was the gay ballerina kid. Um, he was dancing when he was twelve. <laughs> uh, he was dancing when he was twelve. He's a cosmic dancer. All right, so folks, here's the deal. Um, I'm doing a podcast in slippers. I don't care for it. I told you about Tech Talk. I, I'm, I've crouched down now to talk into the microphone so you can hear me talking directly into it. So I think I'm going into the red a little bit. And you guys are finding it uh, like it works. But here's, I have earbuds, and I used to be able to plug my earbuds into my microphone and hear myself talk, which I enjoyed. I liked hearing myself talk. That was good. I mean, I can hear myself talk now, but I liked it going through my earbuds. So it's, it's since the beginning of year 11, I have not been able to hear myself in my earbuds. But let me ask you something. And, and, and you guys know me, so I'm going to throw this out there in a, in a way that uh, it's going to be easy for all of you to guess. The fact that I cannot hear myself into my earbuds, has that at all deterred me from plugging in my earbuds to the, my, into the microphone and then wearing them throughout the entire show? Of course it has not. Of course not. I'm sitting here now wearing uh, unfunctional earbuds, non-functional earbuds. They're in my ear. I hear myself talking normally because I'm talking into the goddamn microphone, but it just, it's part of the ritual. It makes me feel better to have earbuds in while I'm doing the show as if it's some sort of professional thing. I don't know. Uh, but I can't hear myself through them, so I don't know where the sound is going. But the blue lines tell me you're getting sound. Fuck you. Nobody, nobody cares about the blue lines. I know. I, I just I don't want to make this tech talk. I don't know how to explain it to you. But I don't like. It was when I was at Max's house and we were trying to record the show together, and then we put us each in one's different stereo track, and then I you know I had to Google stuff. And Max is like, you know, Max is that's his deal. He's like, hey man, let's figure out how to do this. And I'm like, I don't want to figure out fucking anything, man. I want to open up the microphone and talk, and then be done talking. That's what I want to try to do. I want to just go vomit words all over everybody, and then turn the fucking lights out and walk the fuck out. I just want to, reg- I want to be like Val Kilmer in the Doors movie. I want to sit there and just talk. And when it's over with, let's go get some tacos. That's what I want to do. I just want to fucking finish this fucking thing, throw it out there to you, and then just go get some fucking tacos. Don't we? Isn't that our end goal for everybody? Shouldn't everybody be like, yeah, man, let's go get some tacos. Of course we should. Um, 
But I go to Max's house, and he's like, well, there's got to be a way to do this. And uh, dudes, there is no sentence on on this planet I think I hate more than there's got to be a way to do this. I don't I don't want to know the way to do this. If you can show me the four buttons I got to push to do it, but I, as far as the sitting down and the doing the work and the figuring and the well, let's go let's let's do a deep dive on audacity. Holy fuck! Does there is anything sound worse than that other than like yard work? Like if somebody said, hey, let's trim all of the hedges on a golf course. I'm not sure if that would be scarier for me than let's do a deep dive on audacity. Uh, I forget what movie it is, but they're like, this thing reads like, reads like stereo instructions. What the fuck is that? Is that Bill and Ted or whatever the fuck? I don't know. They, just, they have like a time machine and they're like, this thing reads like stereo instructions. And I mean, that's absolutely right. Anything that's got a KMHZ or a, you know, a do this and then there's a fucking bump in the Audacity Audible and you got to transport this and clip that and holy fuck, dude, generate silence. I, I don't, I don't, it's hard enough for like when he does the name, he, he digs me the new, uh, the new theme song every year. And I have to do the fade out. Like I got to put it together where I can figure out where the fade out is. And then also I got to figure out where the, you know, where to put it at the end of the show. That's as, that's as technical as I want to fucking get for the entire year. I do this. This is me. This is, I'm the mouthpiece. I'm the talent motherfucker. That's what I want to do is just talk. I don't want to have to figure out, well, where's the fade for this? And how do I split wires? And then, uh, oh, you know, let's get the, uh, the, the, the polarity reversed so that we can hear both voices in one channel. And I, I don't give a fuck about your channels. I don't give a fuck about polarity. I don't care about any of that nonsense. I don't want to see red lines or blue lines. I just want to fucking talk. I want to click, talk, click, tacos. That's how I want to do it. That's exactly how I should handle my fucking business. Click, talk, click, tacos. The end. And uh, and I don't understand why people don't understand that about me. When I tell you, to, I just, I can't, I'm not, and so I go to Max's house and I'm like, I don't like the hassle. I don't want to do this. Uh, actually, because I never say that to him. I just go, okay, let's find it. All right. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> I'm looking for it. Uh, because I also wanted to work. I also, you know, I was proud a couple of years ago when we did the interlude and I cut a bunch of fucking audio stuff up and I put it in. I made these really quick, cl- uh, these cuts and these clips. And that was something to be proud of because it was an effort. I made the job and I got it done and I, I, I made the, uh, the effort to make the, get the work done. But, uh, God, I just babble over, over and over there. Um, but now I sit here in slippers and I crouch to do a show. That's who I am. I'm a Zuni fetish doll just in slippers bringing you a fucking show. God damn it. Uh, all right, but still, I, so you can hear me now, which is good, but I can't hear me. I mean, I can hear me in the, in the fucking abstract, but I can't hear myself in the fucking earbuds like I want to. And yet, and yet folks, I continue to wear the earbuds. Why? Nobody knows. You know why? Because there's no producer to tell me I can't. It's a comfort level thing, man. I just want to make sure that I've got these ensconced firmly in my ears just in case they kick in. Who knows? Maybe two thirds of the way through the show, boom! My voice shows up and like, hey, hey, maybe I get Carlos in here. Carlos takes a look at this. He figures it out. He already fucking fixed the sink. Uh, it's the plumber. I've come to fix the sink. You ever see that an electric company with the fucking parrot? Or is that Sesame Street? Sesame Street or electric company? It's the plumber. It's the plumber. There's a guy. There's a plumber. He's trying to get in, and a parrot keeps going. Who is it? And he goes, it's the plumber. I've come to fix the sink. He says it like 10 times. And then eventually he fucking faints, which I don't understand, quite frankly. Just leave. If you're a plumber, just go ahead and take off. You got a van. Uh, the DirecTV, certainly, those people, they showed me that you can just go ahead and fucking split. You don't have to come in. And I answered that guy's questions immediately. Uh, however, if you've got a parrot that's taunting you and you're just knocking on the door and they're like, uh, who is it? And you're like, it's the plumber. I've come to fix the sink. Who is it? It's the plumber. I've come to fix the sink. But he says it like 10 times because the fucking parrot's being a dick. And then he fucking passes out on the, on the stoop. And then the fucking, the person who owns it comes home and goes, who's this? And the, and the parrot now, because he's a jag off, the parrot goes, it's the plumber. He's come to fix the sink. And I, and I just, 
I was enraged at that parrot as a child. And I know I was supposed to side with the parrot because in those shows, you're supposed to side with the animal all the time. Like Tom and Jerry, you're supposed to side with the mouse because he's small and he's challenged. Fuck that. I wanted that cat to eat him in the first fucking frame. I want Tom the cat to eat the fucking mouse and then maybe he can just go out and have an adventure in his zoot suit. Uh, let me ask you this. Is you is or is you ain't my baby? Let me go ahead and throw that in your lap. That's what Tom the cat wants to know and that's what I want to know too fucking zoot suit he looked amazing and here's the thing tom's got a zoot suit on he looks fucking great he's making the fucking the the girl cat give it up she's ready to just lay down and just fucking start moaning as he fucking mounts her he's just because she's all pussy she's not just giving up the pussy she's all pussy so she's giving all of herself to him because he's wearing a zoot suit and what happens the fucking mouse gets his own zoot suit and fucks it up and then he's gonna fuck the cat and get this the chick cat is gonna fuck the mouse just because he's wearing a zoot suit I guess I got, I get, you know what? I can't blame the mouse. If you're trying to get some pussy and you wear a badass suit, who gives a fuck what species shows up? Just go to work. Uh, but at the same time, I guess I got to blame her. You got a guy of your species and, and, and Tom, the cat is very attractive. Certainly. And he's wearing a zoot suit and he, and he gives the whole song. He has the whole issue is, is you ain't my baby. Hey, cha, 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 whatever the fuck, uh, watch fob the whole nine pointed shoulders. And then fucking Jerry, the mouse shows up in the zoot suit and she's like, Ooh, he's cute too. And I'm like, well, I mean, I guess maybe the two of them could work her at once, just fucking take turns or tag in or just fucking go at it from, you know, there's a lot of, you know, this cat's ready. She's ready. She's laying back. Uh, and if she likes mice and cats, who knows? She's fucking bicatchable. That's who she is. She's fucking, she's bi-animal, bi-species eel, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So maybe she rails them both and that's fine. Maybe, that, you know, that's a different cartoon. Certainly that's a Fritz the Cat more than a Tom the Cat cartoon. But, uh... But I was mad at Jerry the Mouse. It's like, dude, let this fucking cat get laid. All right, can you just go do? Get, you've you've fucked with them forever. Like literally, you've you've sick bulldogs on him. You've you've hit him in the face with pies. You fucking set him on fire. You plug his his tail into a goddamn outlet, and he lights up, and we see his skeleton. Uh, and, and so just give him one episode where he can get laid. Is that possible? Could that happen? I always rooted for fucking Wiley Coyote. I know that sounds ridiculous because you're not supposed to root for the man. You're supposed to root for the like the underdog. But I mean, when you watch it. These these aren't the underdogs. Like fucking Jerry the Mouse and the and the Roadrunner are not underdogs because they win all the fucking time. If anything, they're the fucking New England Patriots of cartoons. You gotta hate them. They constantly cheat. They fucking get their way. And they wind up winning every fucking thing in their fucking way. And they and they and they root and they, and they're fucking who roots for them? I can't. I can't. So uh so I can't root for Roadrunner and I can't root for Jerry the Mouse. I root for Wiley Coyote and I root for Tom the Cat because I I want them to continue their Sisyphusian. Uh, escapades as they push the boulder up the hill and then it rolls down. I just hope one of these times it will roll down over a mouse or a fucking roadrunner. I remember one time they build this thing. They're like, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. It's going to be fucking amazing. Uh, Wiley Coyote catches the roadrunner. He totally catches the roadrunner in this one. It was a it was a selling point back then. Now this is, again, before a thousand channels. So we cared about this kind of thing. I'm like, all right, finally, my whole life, my whole life, I've waited to say Coyote catch the roadrunner. I wanted to see Wiley Coyote catch the roadrunner. And sure enough, they put on the episode and Wiley Coyote caught the roadrunner. Unfortunately, just before it, he was either, I forget if he was zapped by a shrinking ray or the roadrunner was zapped by a growth ray. But, uh, but the fucking Coyote, he was only like three inches tall and he's holding onto the ankle of the fucking, of the roadrunner. And then I, if I remember right, if, and have this, don't quote me here, but I think the roadrunner went, meep, meep, bloop, bloop, bloop. And he fucking, uh, do, do, do. I can't even do the noise that he makes. And then he finally probably pecked Wiley Coyote on the fucking head. And, uh, and it was such a jip as a child. I'm like, dude, he didn't really catch him. I mean, yeah, he got his hands on him, but, uh, but I, I don't care for that. Actually. I wanted, I wanted to see Wiley Coyote catch the roadrunner and then cook him, throw like a fucking, uh, a napkin around his neck and just, and just carve him up like eat roast beast, like in the fucking, uh, uh the Grinch. We never get to see what beast they're eating. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to say this just from just, just to salve the wounds from my childhood. I'm going to say they're eating the Roadrunner. That's who the Who's are eating. That's the roast beast. 
the Who's Roast Beast is the Roadrunner. And uh, and they saved the and because Wiley because the Grinch is essentially Wiley Coyote just in Grinch clothes in a Grinch costume. He's doing the same thing. We're supposed to not root for him because he's the underdog or he's the he's the whatever. But he you know, he gets his ass beat all the time too. His dog, uh, but but he's mean to the dog, so I guess he deserves it. Uh, why am I equating the Grinch to Wiley Coyote? Because you know what? Because it's my fucking show, damn it. See, this is what the slippers did. If I'm wearing shoes, I don't even go off on this tangent. But the fact that I'm wearing goddamn slippers and I can't hear myself in my earbuds makes me start telling you about the Grinch and Wiley Coyote. Uh, you know, also, I, here's another reason why I do it. Cause I'm a mean one. Stink, stank, stunk. <laughs> uh, my apartment is, uh, like I said, I'm at a new desk now. So I'm in my bedroom recording because the other desk has got stuff on it. This, the, that's the desk where I'll be streaming stuff soon. Soon I say, uh, but now I'm at the, the desk in my bedroom and, uh, which I'm going to move eventually when I get a dresser. But, uh, but I was doing my apartment today, man, and I got bogged down and doing all these videotapes. I think I told you guys this. I've told you this forever and ever for 11 years. I have, uh, it's got to be over 100 videotapes. And I don't know what's on all of them. Some of them I know what's on them. Uh, but I dragged them out. And uh, my apartment, I could probably make more progress. However, I get caught up in going through things. And then I'm like, ooh. And then I start reading stuff and I start looking at things. And then I start taking photos and posting it on the fan club page. And, uh, and <laughs> because it's fun to me. But, uh in these videotapes, like I found, I will tell you this: what I found, I found a bunch of like 9/11 videotapes, and then I found a bunch of like Dennis Miller videotapes. I found a bunch of Chicago Bulls videotapes. There's a ton of blank videotapes. I don't know what's in those, uh, but it's enough to distract me from doing any real work and getting the stuff done that I need to get done in my apartment. But today, I'll tell you this: I was wandering around. I'm getting stuff done. I thought I was making good progress. I actually, I, I got all of my books unpacked and put on one bookcase shelf, uh, which looks really good, and I'm proud of it. Uh, and then. I don't know how, but in my apartment, there's there's fucking sharp edges everywhere right now. It's all these old tubs, and some of them are cracked. There's a bunch of cracked plastic and shit like that. And I'm barefoot, man. I don't want to step on fucking anything, so I'm trying to be really careful. But the thing is, I'll, I'll overstep just to step, but then my fucking, you know, I got giant calves because I'm a big weightlifter motherfucker. Uh, eh, not really a weightlifter. It's just, I mean, my calves have been lifting weight forever. I'm not, I'm not a bodybuilder. I just got big calves from carrying around my fucking giant frame forever and ever. Uh, but my calves stick out further than my ankles. So when I, I, I zigged when I should have zagged, and I cut the fuck out of my calf. And it was one of those things where you ever do this where you bump your arm and you don't even think about it. You're just like, ah, my arm's kind of sore. And then you look down like 15 minutes later and there's blood pouring out of your arm. And you're like, how the fuck did that happen? Uh, well, that's what happened to me today. I was walking and I did something. My calf got caught and I went, ah, Jesus, uh, I go, whatever the fuck. I just figured I snagged it. and wasn't that big a deal. So then I had some uh, laundry to do. I did like five loads of laundry. So I got to fold all this laundry. By the way, it's true, for disclosure, I did my laundry yesterday <laughs> and it sat in baskets overnight. Uh, I wanted to do it. I wanted to go ahead and... Uh, and, and fold it, but I just thought to myself, oh, that's another thing I got to do, and then I wound up taking photos of videotapes and posting them all night long. Hi, it's going to take me forever to get my shit done. Uh, so I went ahead, and I was folding clothes, and I sat on my couch, and I was like, man, my calf, what the fuck, man, eh, whatever the fuck that happens, and I'm folding, I'm matching socks, and I'm folding towels, and I'm folding sheets, and uh, and I, I saw a video, get this, I saw a video, I'm sure you saw it too, it went viral, of, of a woman who folded a, fi- of, uh, a fitted sheet, and she did it in such a way that you would never know it was a fitted sheet. It looks like she folded just a fucking regular top sheet, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's so good. And in my head, I thought to myself, well, I should Google that to see if I can fold these fitted sheets the right way. And then, you know what? I just roll them in a ball. Who the fuck cares? Why do I? I mean, look, that's not a skill I need. I'm 51. I'll be dead soon. I don't work in a fucking hotel. If I want to just crumble up my fucking fitted sheets and throw them in, that's fine. Because I'll tell you this. I bought all these new sheets at Costco a couple of months ago, and they're fucking comfortable as hell. They're awesome. But I'll tell you this. When you dry them, if you don't fold them right away, they wrinkle. Like more sheets are just sheets, but these, these are like fancy. So they actually wrinkle. So even when you put them on the bed, 
it looks like you're crawling into a raisin, which is fucking weird. Uh, I guess I've just never seen sheets that were nice because that wrinkled before because these are like Pima cotton or whatever the fuck. And I think they're like, you know, a thousand thread count. They're whatever. They're fucking nice. Uh, but the point is I, I, if you don't fold them right away, they get fucking totally wrinkled. And then even if they hold their wrinkle, like you can't shake them out. It's like, you'd have to steam them, but I'm not going to fucking steam my goddamn sheets. I don't give a fuck if I'm sleeping in a raisin and I'm, I don't have, I haven't brought any ladies home to try to impress them. And ladies, let me ask you this. All right. Uh, if you go to a guy's house and he's got the wrinkly sheets, are you, are you, is that it? Is that a deal breaker? Because, I mean, you're just about to do some work in those sheets. What if, I mean, look, I understand if they're, like, stained or filthy. That's a totally different thing. But if they're just sheets that are uh, that are wrinkled and you know that they're clean, they're t- you can smell them and stuff like that. I mean, I, I can't I can't imagine that that's a deal breaker. But if it is, please let me know because, holy fuck, I got some wrinkled sheets and I'm a lady home and I want her to fucking turn tail and run. And then I got to pad out in my slippers and chase her. Please don't go. And I'm just sobbing. One tear comes out of my eye. Please don't leave. I got my slippers on like an idiot. Uh, what a pussy. What a goddamn pussy. Why are you wearing slippers in your house? Because I want I want my rug to last. That's why. Because I want to care about my rug. So ladies, let me ask you this. Is it acceptable for a man to wear slippers in his house if he's trying to make sure that his rug doesn't go fucking bad? I don't want my rug to go tits up. It's a new rug. I care about it. I care about the paint on the walls. I care about the rug. I care about all this stuff. So if that means I got to wear slippers and be less of a man, although am I really less of a man if I wear slippers if I'm caring about the rug? So maybe that's the thing. And maybe it's like a guy who's like good with babies or like a guy who's good with pets. Like a guy who's good with a dog or a cat. And all the ladies are like, oh, I want to fuck that guy because he's nice to that fucking parrot. Uh, you know, you don't want to fuck the plumber because he just fucking fainted. That parrot was a dick. Don't fuck the parrot either. He's a jag off. But if you see a guy being nice to a fucking like hedgehog and you're like, oh, how cute. I'm going to rail that guy. That's fine. Um, so maybe it's like that way with a carpet. Like maybe you're like, oh, he cares about his carpet. Look at that guy. He wears slippers to keep his carpet safe. I'm going to fuck the shit out of that guy. I don't know if that's a real turn on, but who cares? It exists. If it's a possibility, it could happen. Maybe you're out there thinking to yourself, I'm going to fuck the shit out of a guy who's good to his rug. In which case, I'm totally good to my rug. And I'll be good to your rug, ladies. Ha <laughs> ha, laser eraser. Uh, all right. So I fucked. So I fuck up my leg, right? So I, I figure it's just sore and I'm folding stuff. And then after 20 minutes, I decided to check down. I'm like, well, you know, this is not going away. This still seems like, and that wasn't throbbing, but at the same time, it was just sore and it was, it was, it was staying sore. So I look down at my leg and my leg is also pressed into my couch and, uh, there's blood everywhere. I mean, there is blood. It's run down my calf. There's a gash in my calf. And not only that, I pressed it against the couch. I've got a good fucking two inch by two inch blood stain, just a splotch right on the fucking bottom of my couch, not on the cushion, but you know, the couch part. And I looked at it and then in my head, I go, I don't even know. I mean, I've watched enough ID network to know how to get blood stains out of your furniture, but I don't think I have any of that stuff on hand and I don't want to fucking, you know, so I, I got to go to the store, I guess, and get fantastic or blood remover or whatever the fuck bleach. But at the same time, here's the thing now. Uh, I'm a guy who's nice to his carpet because he wears slippers, but you guys are thinking to yourself, well, yeah, but I'm not going to fuck you because you won't even wash blood stains out of your couch. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. You're telling us about how you're wearing slippers to preserve your rug, but now you won't even wash the blood stain out of your couch. And it is, it's a, it's a nice, it's a solid, it's a nice piece. I won't lie to you. It is a solid two by two. Uh, it's, it's a, it's the shroud of Schmitty. That's what it is. It's like a, a like a, a Turin, like a Turin thing happening on my couch. It's a, and it's my blood. And, uh, and it, although it could be Vimto, that Vimto could be my blood. That blood could be my Vimto. Who the fuck knows? But still, I know I, I just, I think I've talked myself out of all of you guys fucking me. Not that you were going to anyway. Now look, and I'll tell you this. I don't have a problem with you fucking me, but I might have a little bit of a problem with you not fucking me. <laughs> hey, Schmitty. Oh baby, we've got your money. Don't you worry. I said, Hey. 
Uh, Eddie Murphy taught me that back at the house. What if I just did ODB the rest of the time? Uh, you know, I was at the House of Blues the day ODB threatened to blow it up. I met him before that. Seemed really nice. And then later on, he made terroristic threats and they called the cops on him. Uh, now that I think about it all these many years later, it might have just been because he was black. Maybe they thought, hey, here's a black dude and he's a rapper. Let's call the cops. Uh, because that seems to be what's happening. Everybody calls cops on the black people now. Just uh, You got a lemonade stand? Hey, we're calling the cops. Hey, what's this, a coupon? We're calling the cops. I saw someone the other day again about somebody who was fucking, they were shopping, and they said you can't, they told the black girls, you can't shop in here without a chaperone. Meanwhile, there's all these like fucking white kids shopping unchaperoned. So then the black kids, rather than start a fight because they were very nice, uh, even though they shouldn't have been, they should have torn that fucking place to shreds, they went and got a chaperone. And they were told they still couldn't shop there. Oh, of course not. Why would they be allowed to do that? You can't be shopping while black in this country. What happened to this fucking world? Be cool. Again, I'll say it as I've said in many other episodes. Just, I'm a be coolocrat, man. Just be cool. Be nice to people. That's all you got to do. Fuck. So anyway, there's a giant blood stain on my couch because I cut my leg and I didn't fucking look at it. I was sorting videotapes and they're still here. I keep, I keep sorting the videotapes and I, I can't, I can't bring myself to throw them away. I, I cannot. They just, I thought of another reason today why I can't throw them away and you're going to laugh, but seriously on these videotapes somewhere, cause I have all these blank tapes. I'm like, I get a bunch of bulls tapes and shit like that. And that stuff, I, you know, I can get rid of that because that stuff you can find online all the time, but I guarantee you that I have. All right, well, I was going to say a bunch of old shows, and we, we get that. But here's the main thing. All of my game show appearances are on these videotapes. I just don't know where. I guarantee my My Generation from VH1 is on there. My Greed appearances are on there. All of my Ultimate Fan League, this the season where Paulo Benencio and I stomped into the fucking uh, crowd and crushed everybody. We destroyed everyone and went undefeated. Those are all available on my video cassettes, but I don't know which ones because I did not label them properly because I'm a genius. So, so part of me is like the ones that say Dennis Miller and all this stuff, I might just throw those away because I know what those are and I don't need to save Dennis Miller shows, even though I'd love to fucking post them and who cares. Um, but part of me thinks that I should just go ahead and send all the blank ones off to be transcribed. Because I also found this. I found a bunch of Jimmy Pardo videotapes. Like, I found three tapes of, three solid tapes of Funny Money, which is probably like 18 shows because I did the six hour thing. So, no, there's 12. That's got to be 30 shows, 36 shows of Funny Money. Because they're six-hour videotapes, uh, I got funny money tapes. I got I found both of uh, Pardo's one-man performances, including the one from nine ten oh one, which was just the day before nine eleven. We killed, and we were like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And we were supposed to do it nine eleven, nine eleven. Yeah, I had to postpone it by about a month, but I found that performance as well. Um, I found, like I said, all these Dennis Miller shows, all these Bulls things. But here's here's the thing: a, a ton of them are blank. All right. And those are the things that that's the stuff that I can't figure out what I need to do with. I would love to have them transcribed or figure out a way to do it, but it takes real time. I actually called some places around here. I thought it was going to be like 10, 12 bucks. Dudes, it's fucking 20 bucks, 20 bucks for two hours. So I told the guy, I go, Hey, look, man, these tapes are like six hours. He goes, Oh yeah, it's going to be more then. And then they, and that's what they put it on a hard drive, but he wants me to buy a hard drive from them. And I'm like, fuck that. I'll just bring you a hard drive to use. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do, man. These fucking things are sitting on the... And now, I, like I said, I get bogged down because I, I think to myself, I'm, it's a rebirth, right? So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to change my space. But in order to do that, I need to make space for myself. So to have these fucking videos just sitting right now, because right now they're in the middle of the living room. They're on the floor. I sorted them all. And I was like, like I said, I sorted them and I made photo ops out of all of them because I'm ridiculous. And I put them on Instagram and on the Jokers page. Um, but the video I have not posted yet, I found dudes. I found... 
first of all, I found my, get this, all right, listen to the treasure trove of stuff that I would have for YouTube. This is stuff that I could post. And by the way, when I say treasure trove, I mean for me, you guys could not care less. You would not think it's treasure. You would not think it's certainly a trove, but it's not something you'd be thinking to yourselves, oh my God, we've got to see that. But I found a bunch of demo tapes of me. Like I found, I'm at, I'm at the waterfront Hilton in like 1993, or no, 1992. I found a tape of me from the last stop in 1991. Now I've seen that tape and I remember it. Dudes, that is 1991. That's me. That's 24-year-old me when I first started doing stand-up at the Laugh Stop. And I am I know for a fact I'm wearing Zubas, like purple Zubas with black like lines. I'm wearing a run DMC sweatshirt, and I've got a mullet down to my past my shoulders. I I know for a fact it's that tape. It's well, I apologize. I don't know that for sure. It's either that or it's the one where I wore my jean jacket with the fringe. Oh, that's right. I went straight Billy Jack one night and I wore a fucking jean jacket with fringe to do stand up on stage because I was cool as hell. Uh, so that's that tape from the last stop. But then I've got some other stuff from from my first couple of years doing stand up. And then I have. All right. So I will tell you this. This I found this and I was so excited. I found uh, I found my stand up set from the night I met Pardo. Uh, when I first came to Chicago to showcase to be at, at KJ Riddles, uh, they were running a cable access program, and I was just doing a showcase in between the acts that were scheduled for the cable access program. But then I I did so well, they included me in the cable access program. They didn't tell me they were going to. They just did. So I have the raw footage of that, and I have the cable access program that I was a part of. Uh, that's the night I met part of where he kept going, Schmidt's brother. Is Schmidt's brother still there? He kept calling me Schmidt's brother. Uh, I found that tape. And again, like I said, you don't care. I don't even know why I'm running this down because you guys, to, to you, it's nothing. But to me, it's a, it's a fucking big deal to find these things. It's great. Um, I, a couple of appearances on the Rotating Talk Show, which was a show here that Chris Hardwick, I think, actually invented. I could be wrong. But it was here in, in L.A. And, I, you know, you would come out, you'd do a stand-up set, and then you'd host the desk. You'd be a guest, and then you'd host the desk. It was a pretty cool thing. You'd come out and do a set, then you'd sit down as the guest, and then you'd become the host. You'd, it was like all, uh, every, all these comics kept interchanging the roles. It was really fun. Uh, I found those. I found, uh, I think it was a joke machine one night. I think I got that videotape. I found a videotape of me in Fargo, which is another one where I'm wearing Zubas, and that's when I had my super long fucking hair uh the cut i have now but really long and i had it under a baseball hat and then i took my hat off and it fell down dude i got some shows from peoria at the jukebox this is great it says first set possible demo 12 fucks so that means i said fuck 12 different times second set possible suicide horrible crowd <laughs> so i can't wait to sit through that i will not post that by the way you're not about to see me bombing because that just seems ridiculous but just the very fact that i have it i've got i probably found at least 15 demos of myself Anywhere from 1991 to 2003. So uh, that stuff I'm definitely converting. I, I, I don't know if I'll post it. Well, I'm, I'm going to post some of it. I mean, I, I got to post even even 30 seconds of the one from 1991 so you can just see me on stage looking like a fucking goon. But uh, but the rest of it, who the fuck knows? There might not be any interested in it, but we're just... We're, and also, I could just send it to Patreon people. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll when, when I get it, I'll know more... Once I get the stuff converted and I take a look at it, because if it's just fucking death, I don't know if I want to share that with anybody. Because um, I, I mean, I was funny, but I wasn't great. I'm finding out. Like I used to think I was really great. I thought I was, and other comics thought, loved me and thought I was funny and brought me on the road. Uh, but I have, to, I have to think that I, you know, I see stuff and I, I read some of my old jokes and I'm like, yeah, you weren't, uh, you weren't that great. Don't quit, quit trying to pretend that you were somebody who was really good. Uh, but I'm excited to get that stuff converted. The other stuff, I don't know, the blank tapes. That, like I said, I think I have Craig Kilborn's Daily Show, all my game show stuff. I think it's on those tapes. I just don't know which ones, unfortunately. Um, 
And then I find, like, dude, I get this. I have, all right, you're going to make fun of me. I have a, a, a set of Star Wars. I have Star Wars, Jedi, and Empire on on video cassette. It was a box set that they sold. And it, the box looks really cool. Like, Darth Vader's on the cover of the box. It's a Star Wars. You open it up, and, like, the boxes are in foam. Uh, it's neat. It's a, it's a three-video set. It's Star Wars, Jedi, and Empire. And... Uh, I know it's stupid. I know I know everybody has those on DVD or digital or whatever the fuck. You know, everybody's got a, a Google Fon exterior with a Moonrock needle, as Steve Martin said, and everybody gets to play their own fucking stuff. It's all high quality. But there has to be some kind of Star Wars nerd out there who just wants the packaging, right? Doesn't there isn't there a Star Wars nerd who just who wants those videotapes and wants the packaging because it's original? I, I keep thinking that to myself, and I know that's not true, but then I'm like, I should put this on eBay. I should put this on eBay. I've got these videos, I've got these tapes, I got this cassette. And uh that just seems like more trouble than it's worth. It's not even worth the shipping. Geo fucking is telling me, he's like, hey, man, hold tight on the videos. Because I, I know a nerd army that likes to transcribe stuff. So all it'll cost is shipping and they'll pay it. And I'm like, nobody's going to do that. Nobody wants to pay pay to ship my nonsense to them and transcribe it or, or whatever the fuck or, or digitize it. But he says they will. So that's why I haven't thrown everything out yet. Even though Mike Siegel is taunting me, other people are telling me, dude, just throw this stuff right the fuck away. And I get that. However, uh... I've been told to hold tight. So these videotapes are here. The Star Wars one, all of them. They're just, they're so dumb. I don't know why. It's the, and it's, it's fucking up everything else. Like I, I unpacked a bunch of books today. I'm going to unpack DVDs. I'm going to arrange my living room. I'm going to finish my bedroom. I'm going to put my clothes in, in one closet. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm making progress. I really am. It's just that these videotapes are the bane of my existence because I can't think to myself, well, these should go here or these should go there. Or I should just throw these the fuck out because I should. I should just cover these motherfuckers in lighter fluid and flame on. And that's it. You're done till that Jerry Curl is gone, as Ice Cube would say. Um, but I don't know. I've been told that I should hold on to them. And I think I will. I think I'll, I'll take a shot at that because why not? Why wouldn't you do that, right? Shouldn't go ahead and do that. Uh, and it didn't hurt, you know, I was in Seattle all last week. So that fucking, that, that threw my progress back because my apartment looks like a tornado hit it. It just does. So then I come back and I, I got home Saturday. I had to sleep because I was all scrambled from, oh, well, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Well, I'll tell you about that now. What the fuck? Let's talk about Seattle. What the fuck? We're already, holy fuck. Really? We're 45 minutes into this fucking show. Damn ah, goofy. What a goon. How the, what am I talking about for 45 goddamn minutes? Have I breathed yet? It doesn't feel like I've breathed yet. See, this is what slippers do. They give me superpowers to talk for 45 minutes about fucking nothing and not, and, and nothing funny at all. This is just a lot of me talking in fucking circles, right? Uh, but I mean, I guess I shouldn't pretend that my show is anything other than that by uh, every other week for fuck's sake. All right. So uh, dudes, dudes, this is what I say to you. I went to Seattle. Have I mentioned that? Did I mention that I went to goddamn Seattle? I did. Uh, I went last week. It was fucking amazing. I uh, I was there four days. I went to two concerts. I did two shows. Let's let's just dive right into it. Should I should I ease you into it or should I just dive right in? Perhaps I'll just dive, I'll dive right in, uh, <laughs> or I'll or I'll ease you into it. Who fucking cares? Just you know what? Either way, lay back and enjoy it, man. I'm either gonna come at you really fucking hard and just thrust super hard, or I'm just gonna give you the tip and then we're gonna just get fucking out look in your eyes as the rest of it buries inside you. Uh, that seemed aggressive, right? That seemed weird. Um, all right. So here's the deal, folks. I went to Seattle. It was fantastic. Uh, I flew out last week, which is what, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I flew out Wednesday. I recorded the show Tuesday, flew out Wednesday, went down to, uh, I flew out of Burbank and, uh, you know, it's funny when I booked this stuff, I booked it in April. So I, I, I made a plan where I was like, all right, well, this will be cool. I'll go ahead and book this in April and it'll work out perfectly. And, uh, I'll, I'll get the flights taken care of. I'll buy, cause I bought the Pearl Jam tickets first and foremost. That was the main thing is I bought the tickets to see Pearl Jam. 
Uh, and then I was like, all right, well, now I'll go ahead and book flights and I'll t- make sure that's squared away. And I booked everything. It was great. I got it all squared away, except for, guess what I didn't book? My lodging. Yeah, I waited on buying a hotel because I'm uh, a genius. And I thought to myself, well, you know, the closer it gets, I'll go ahead and buy uh, a hotel. It'll be fantastic. You know, they got Airbnb because Airbnb has spoiled us. It's made us all fucked in the head because you just think to yourself, well, I mean, I'll just go ahead and get an Airbnb. I'll just go ahead and grab that at the last fucking minute. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Pearl Jam was doing two shows in Seattle. That's uh, 47,000 people each night. Not all of them from Seattle. In fact, I would venture to say maybe none of them from Seattle. Pearl Jam's one of those bands that draws people in from goddamn everywhere. Uh, on my flight in, for fuck's sake, there were like 30, 35 people on the plane that were going to Pearl Jam. They had fucking shirts and hats. They were coming from, because I flew to Vegas. That's another fucking thing. Oh, Jesus Christ, dudes. When I booked this, I saved nine bucks by flying out of, well, I mean, all right, more important than this, I saved time. I want to fly out of Burbank because I don't want to go to fucking LAX. If I go to LAX, okay, that means it's a, it's a $30 lift there and a $30 lift back. So I'd much rather fly out of Burbank. Even if it costs 20 extra bucks, uh, it's only a seven-minute ride to fucking Burbank. No, then check that. It's about a 10, 15-minute ride. Um, that's the worst part because when I come home, I don't want to fucking hop in and drive back from LAX and it takes fucking forever. And then you pay 30 bucks for the privilege. I just, I just rather get a lift or whatever from Burbank because that's fine. You know, come, round trip, it's 12 bucks uh, there, 12 bucks back. So one, the round trip from Burbank to my place is, uh, is cheaper than one way to LAX. Now, if I pay that in airfare or whatever the fuck, that's fine with me. Even if it works out and it breaks even, I'm totally cool with that. At least I get to leave out of fucking Burbank and come back and get home sooner. Because fuck, dude, LAX, what a nightmare. I, as, even when I'm Ubering and lifting, I don't want to fucking go there anymore. I just don't because you get down there close to the airport. And, uh, and I've talked about this and I've bitched on here before. It's like fucking 17 minutes to go a mile, the last mile into the airport. Because everybody and his goddamn brother is converging and all the Lyft and Uber people are going to the same fucking level. Dude, it's a nightmare. So fuck it. I'd rather take Burbank. So... Burbank didn't have any straight flights to Seattle. LAX, I could have gone nonstop. Burbank, I'm like, well, that's okay. It's just, I'll just, I'll go ahead and fucking make the sacrifice. But then the day of, that's when it all changes. Like you're, you're like, oh, this will be totally fine. I'll go ahead and make it work. And I'll just go ahead and it's okay. I'll have a little layover. But then the day of, you're just like, I just want to fucking go, man. I just want to go from Burbank to fucking Seattle and make it happen. I don't, I don't want to go to Vegas. Why the fuck would I fly south to go north? It's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. And yet... It sounded like a pretty good idea at the time in April because I wanted to go ahead and make sure I could fly it out of Burbank and save a little, uh, just like, what, 10 bucks overall or whatever the fuck, 15 bucks? But still, uh, it was fine. But then I fucking, I was up late on Tuesday. You know, I recorded the show and then uh, I, I fucking, I packed whatever the fuck. And then it was like two o'clock. So I wound up getting three hours of sleep because I had a 7.30 flight, got up, got showered, straightened my apartment out. So I, it was like, so nothing bad. Hey, you got to take the garbage out because you don't want to leave fucking garbage in overnight uh, or over four days. Uh, so I had, I had to scoop that up and uh, and go to the airport real quick. And then I flew from, uh, and here's the thing, man. Burbank, everybody else has the same idea. So it's not busy at security, but you know, when you get to your gate, everybody's fucking there and they're jammed in. And also Southwest did that fucking thing because it's a flying bus. I'm in it. I'm an A-lister because why not? But at the same fucking time, they're like, hey, welcome to the flight 918 out of Burbank heading to Las Vegas and then continuing to Seattle, Columbus and Tampa. I'm like, holy fuck. And then there are people who are like flying from Burbank to Tampa, but they're going to make all those fucking stops. And then they stay on the goddamn plane. Like I said, it's a flying bus. And that's, that's no fun for fucking anybody, man. So uh, so I went, and I got there for my Burbank flight, and it's packed. It's fucking juiced, because everybody's going, like I said, nobody's just going from Burbank to Vegas, although the flights to Vegas are usually packed, but other people are continuing on to different fucking cities. Um, so, so I went, and I got on the plane, and 
you know, I had to sit next to people, which is fine. Nobody wants to sit next to people early in the morning. I get to do that thing where I apologize. I'm like, hi, I'm sorry about this. And the woman was very nice. She was charming. She was okay. Um, I'm like, look, I'm really sorry. I'm a big guy. I'll lean into the wall. She's like, that's ah, okay. I'm used to it. She patted my knee, which I was like, all right, well, business just picked up on this flight. How you doing? <laughs> Let's see what happens. Uh, we get a mile high on the way to fucking uh, Vegas. It's only an hour flight, lady. We don't have much time. Grab my knee and such. Uh, I'm going to throw a rod right here in fucking aisle or row 17, not aisle 17, row 17. I was sitting in 17 because that's where I got to go to lean in with the best shoulder in the fucking window. Uh, you don't care. Nobody cares where I sit. I sit on the right side of the plane, you know, that against the window so I can fucking bury myself into the side of the plane and not humiliate the person in the middle. Uh, we flew, oh, Jesus, this, this is, is this really anything we want to hear? Yes, it may be. I don't know. I question it in, in the moment. And yet here I go. I plod through and I continue to tell you. Uh, I flew from Burbank to Vegas. I get to Vegas and I had to fucking hustle from one terminal to the other, grabbed a Jamba Juice, and I got on that plane. Of course, Vegas to Seattle completely fucking packed. And like I said, there's like 35 people going to the Pearl Jam concert. And they're all like, woo, PJ, yeah, look at a fucking hat. Woo. I'm just like, and I'm not wearing any Pearl Jam stuff because I'm not that fucking guy. Uh, I have one Pearl Jam hoodie, but they don't, you know what? Here's the thing Pearl Jam, their merch is fucking amazing. They have really great merch, but they don't ever sell any pullover hoodies. All their hoodies are zip. I don't know if it's cheaper for them to produce it that way. It would seem like it would be more expensive to have a zipper. I mean, a pullover seems better, but uh, I only wear a pullover hoodie. I don't wear a zip. But, at, you know, in, in like 1998 or whenever it was or 2001 when I saw them here in L.A., I bought a zip hoodie. So I do have a Pearl Jam zip hoodie, but I'm not wearing it to the fucking show. Who's that weirdo? Uh, but these people were, they were wearing their Pearl Jam shirts on the plane. Yay. I like Pearl Jam. Do you like Pearl Jam? Wee. And then they're up there in the fucking sky talking about Jeremy. Jesus Christ. Now look, I love the band. I just don't want to get into a fucking in-depth conversation about go versus whipping. You know, nobody wants, well, what's better? What's a harder song, man? What's a harder way? Do you like, you like Eddie Solo? You like his ukulele stuff? Oh my God. Kill yourselves. I, I, now I want this plane to, you know, I want this plane to go down in a coffee house in Seattle. Just so you can say how ironic your death was. It's just fucking playing Pearl Jam and you crash right into a through the fucking roof. Uh, oh man, you know, Stone is the best, but I also love Jeff and Mother Love Bone. You know, if a fucking Andy had lived, we would never go to got Eddie, and Eddie would have been in San Diego. What a, well, let's think of an alternate timeline where Andy lives and Mother Love Bone continues. And the, oh my God, stop. Jesus fucking Christ. Earbuds in, Pearl Jam playing, no talking. I get into the plane and it's sold out. Like I said, there's a bunch of Pearl Jam people. I sit in the back and, uh, and you know my thing. If there's, if you are getting on a plane and you see a fat guy sitting by himself near the window and there's nobody in the aisle next to him, grab the aisle seat because odds have just tripled that nobody will sit in the middle seat between you two because nobody wants to be in that unholy flesh sandwich at 35,000 fucking feet. Uh, but they think about it. They might want to. If there's nowhere else, let's put it this way, you, that will be the last seat taken on the plane. I guarantee it. People might sit there, but it's because there were no other fucking choices. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I sit there and if you take the aisle seat, odds are good that we'll have a middle seat against us. However, if you're a couple and you see me sitting there by the window, don't, don't, I understand you want to sit together, but be grownups, please just, just fly separately to, for my convenience. Could we do that? Could everybody consider my convenience as we're in the air? Because I can't, I can't be, uh, asked or, or expected to accommodate you. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'm the fucking talent. Again, I understand Pearl Jam was the talent because I heard the discussion. Well, you know, when they put out once and they were Mickey Blaylock, you know, I saw them do that live. What to shut up? Oh, my God. Shut up. Nobody cares about you or the band's history or you talking about the band's history. Uh, you know, actually, people might care about the band's history. It's fun. I've fallen into that loophole myself when they put out the Let's Play 2 DVD and they had videos from 1992 at the Metro, or 90, it was even 91, I think, and Eddie going to Wrigley Field and stealing sod. Uh, that, that's cool stuff. Hold on, we're fighting through a fucking yawn. God damn it. But we fought it through. 
Uh, I got distracted by a yawn. I apologize. Because, you know, because in my head I'm thinking if I had a producer, that shit wouldn't happen. But what does that mean? Like, I would phys- it would physically not happen? Like, I wouldn't yawn if a fucking producer was here? Uh, no, I guess I wouldn't mind stopping down because then they could go ahead and cut out the yawn and I could just deal with it. But, I mean, if, if you got to cut out every yawn, then, I'm, like I said, I'm like those YouTube idiots who fucking edit every 10 fucking seconds and nobody wants to do that. Uh, so I get to, I get there to take the plane. And I sit, the, I sit by the window, and sure enough, uh, this, these, everybody's coming down toward the back of the plane, and uh, the, these two people slide in next to me. And, and that's fine. I get it. You, you should. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but this dude sat between, and he was like, uh, he, was, uh, he was a little guy, which was good. He was a little guy and a big guy. The little guy sat in the middle. So I looked at him. And I said, uh, hey, look, I'm really sorry. I'm a giant person. I, I don't want to squish you for this flight. I apologize. And uh, he, he looks at me and he goes, oh, honey, that's okay. My husband's a bear, so I totally get it. And when he says that, the big guy who sat next to him leans forward and just kind of waves at me like, hello. Uh, so those guys are married, which is fine. Uh, so he, I go, all right, well, I, that's cool. And he goes, so, you know, don't worry about it. He goes, uh, uh, if anything, we're, you know, we'll just sleep all over one another. I'm totally used to it. That's fine. Let's not get carried away. Queer eye for the coach class. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a nap. I'm not up here to spit roast a twink at 20,000 feet, but good for you. I'm glad you have that thought. Uh, but that's not happening. I, I, I refuse. I mean, I know, I know the offer's on the table and you're like, you're sandwiched between a couple of bears and that's good for you in the sky. Uh, you want to go mile high club with a couple of us, but I'm, I'm just going to put my hood up and go to sleep. But thank you for the offer. Although he didn't really offer, and that's probably my imagination working overtime. But still, just the fact that he's like, we're going to sleep all over each other. I'm like, all right, good for you. Uh, so, you know, we take off. And it, the flight from Seattle, I think it was like two and a half hours. But uh, I'm sleeping. Got my earbuds in. Because, again, like I said, I only got like two fucking hours of sleep the night before. So, fuck, I slept at Vegas. I closed my eyes. We were in Vegas. It's like a 40-minute nap. I grabbed my Jamba Juice, fucking got on the plane. And then I just crashed out. I figured I'd grab a couple more hours of sleep. And, uh... I'm I'm sleeping on the plane, and then I I don't know what woke me up. I don't know it wasn't turbulence, but something made me you know slumber, wake up, and I sit up uh, my head. I raise my head off the thing, and I realize uh, the dude next to me is asleep, and he's asleep with his head on my shoulder. Uh, and I've had that happen to me before. I've talked about it here on the, on, on the, on other shows where I've had people fall asleep on me. It's the weirdest. I don't, because I'm leaning over, I guess they feel that they can lean over. I don't know. And also, cause I'll have the armrest up cause I'm a big dude. So I guess all bets are off at that point. I talked about one time me and this fat dude just formed this unholy alliance as the two of us just fucking dominated the plane. Like, ah, <laughs> giants. We were just wedged together in one big job of the fucking plane passenger job of the, I couldn't, how smooth was that job of the passenger would have been better. Um, see, that's what happens when you talk at the speed of your head, folks. Sometimes it fucking kicks you in the balls. So, uh, so I wake up, this dude's on my shoulder. Okay. And, uh, and, and that's fine. I mean, I don't care. But, but the best part of it is I look over. I don't move. I look over and he's on my shoulder. And his husband is asleep on his shoulder. So the three of us are, we're leaning to the right, like leaning into the plane. Uh, and and we, just, we just look like the gay three stooges. Just, uh, just the three of us are totally lined up on top of one another. And we're just like... Cock, cock, cock. 
because we could not look more gayer, uh, more gayer. We could not look gayer if we tried. Whatever the fuck, I, I've lost all train of thought. But this dude's on top of me, and his husband's on top of him. And I, I didn't. Like, it, it's so funny in that situation because, in reality, you should just go, "Hey, dude, what the fuck." But I just, I, you're on a plane and it doesn't matter, man. It's like being on a desert island if you're naked and everybody sees you. Nobody's thinking about fucking you on a desert island. Everybody's thinking about, we got to catch some fish and eat some coconuts. Like on Survivor, when dudes walk around nude, they used to make it a thing where like, oh my God, Richard Hatch is naked all the time. And he's just like, who the fuck cares, man? I mean, everybody's got a cock. Everybody's got this and we're all on the fucking island. But, uh, you know, and decorum goes out the fucking window because you're all just trying to stay alive. You know, there's bugs everywhere and all sorts of bullshit. And then, granted, that's a good way to stay dressed. And what the fuck? Are you going to knit a loincloth? It's bad enough you're building a shelter and trying to stay the fuck alive. So who cares about fucking clothes? Um, you know, and also he's old. If you're old, who cares? So that's what I felt with these guys. It's just on a plane. Same deal, man. Where it's it's every man for himself or it's a fucking tight unit. So I felt me and these two guys just formed a tight unit. We were fine. Uh, and then he put his hands on my tight unit and everything changed. How are you doing? All right. Ding, da, da, ding, 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 tight unit. Ba, 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 ba. No one cares. Uh, I loved it, but he foreshadowed it with, eh, my husband's a, a bear, honey. We, I get it. You get it. All right. Good for you. Uh, I just went back to sleep. I didn't fucking care. Landed in Seattle. Uh, this is great. I got off the plane. There was a big fucking Pearl Jam banner on the wall, like welcoming fans of the show, which was fucking fantastic. And, uh, and then, and then we, you know, I walked to the airport. I had to get a lift because I had nothing else going on. And by nothing else going on, I, of course, mean I couldn't convince one of you guys to come to the airport to pick me up because the advent of Uber and Lyft have made you guys decide that I should go ahead and fend for myself. I don't know why you do that. I would think you'd want to step up for the talent because you're all friends or, or my adoring public or my adoring friends or my public friends or my friends in public. I don't know how you want to put it. Uh, regardless, I couldn't convince anybody to come and get me. No, I didn't ask. Truthfully, I didn't ask because it feels stupid to ask people with Uber and Lyft out there. And, uh, and because at the same time, then I would ask you guys, and you'd just be like, you know what, Mike, we can't, we work, we have real lives. Uh, why don't you just go ahead and push a button on your phone and get a guy with a bunch of Q's and Z's in his name to pick you up and take you wherever the fuck you're staying. Even though I'm offering breakfast or a burrito or a handshake or just the ability to spend a couple hours with me, your hero. Uh, all of that seems exaggerated, except for the fact that I'm offering burritos and a brand of, brand of breakfast or a breakfast burrito. Whatever you got, it's Seattle, man. Take me somewhere. You got somewhere good, we'll go. Uh, but everybody's very busy. And I totally get that. But that's, that's a lie. I don't know if everybody was very busy because I didn't even reach out to ask anybody because Uber and Lyft have made it embarrassing for me to ask people. So I, because I don't want people to get the opportunity to just go, hey, Mike, um, you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and uh, take yourself? And, and rightfully so. Why shouldn't I? I'm a grown up. I'm 51 years old. Uh, and that just sounds weird out loud. Jesus Christ. I, I'm not, it doesn't sound bad where I'm like, boo hoo, I'm, I'm old. I know I'm old. But 50 was one thing. 51, and just that extra syllable makes it sound like I'm that much older. Nobody wants to be one syllable older. Fuck that, man. It's terrible. Uh, so I, I, you know, I was at the airport, and I had to get out of there. Uh, they had the big Pearl Jam banner, as I've mentioned, which was great. And then I uh, walked outside. I got a Lyft. Uh, did I order a Lyft from there or an Uber? I forget which one I got. Um, oh, I took an Uber pool. That's right. It was me and Rose Marie and some other dude. And this dude was going to the Pearl Jam show that night, so he and I talked. And Rose Marie was like this hip English lady. Who uh, at first she seemed uptight when she got in the car, and here's why I think she meant uh, she seemed uptight because she was like five two and she sat in the front seat. Now look, all ladies should sit in the front seat, but I'm six two and I'm kind of a big dude, and the other dude was like six foot, uh, but she didn't even hesitate. She just got right in the front seat, and and I guess politeness says okay, we'll go ahead. But at the same time, in my head, I'm like, wouldn't you? Uh, wouldn't you let the big? Because the guy was driving a Ford Fusion, so you would think uh, you wouldn't want to fold me up into the back seat. But that's fine, Rosemary. She's terrific. But then as we wound up talking. 
Uh, I liked Rosemary. She deserved to be in the front seat because she saw Pink Floyd in the 70s. Because we said we were going to a concert, and she's like, oh, you flew to... She's English. So she's like, oh, you flew to, con- to, flew to concert? You flew to town to see a concert? I can't even do it. Um... But she was like, oh, that's great. You know, I saw, I love music. And then she said she saw Pearl Jam, or uh, not Pearl Jam. We said we were seeing Pearl Jam. She said she saw Pink Floyd in the 70s. She saw them when they were in their heyday, man. And I was like, whoa. And I told her I had seen Roger Waters since a couple of times, three or four times doing Dark Side and stuff. And uh, it was great. It was a good conversation. So I took the pool. And uh, boy, even a pool ride, though, was like 26 bucks because the airport was hammered with Pearl Jam people and all sorts of new people going in and out. Hold on. I got something in my eye. Fuck. That's weird. Why would I get something in my eye during a podcast? All right. Uh, unless it was a gnat. Maybe there was a gnat that flew into my eye or a lash or a gnat lash or a lash gnat. <laughs> uh, so the thing I will tell you this, too, I... Uh, I didn't have a place to stay as of the, just the, like, when I did the show last week, I may have mentioned it, but I went on to look for places to stay, and uh, an Airbnb was fucked, because, because that's the thing, you get spoiled by Airbnb, I think you just go on there and go ahead and find a place to stay, but man, uh, there's also 100,000 people in town, so it made it very difficult to find a place, and I thought I had a place with Graham, but then that fell through, and Graham was doing his own thing, and that's fine, we're grown-ups, we should do our own thing, again, 51, that extra syllable means I should get a place by myself, because Airbnb... I, I got to stay in my own room. That's the deal. Every time you look on there, because they had all this fucking trickery. Airbnb, it used to be, it's, you know, in the beginning, again, it was like, hey, here's an apartment or here's a house. But now it's a, it's a side hustle for fucking everybody. So they're like, hey, man, you can sleep standing up in my linen closet and lean on the towels for 100 bucks a night. That'd be great, right? Um, it's like when you go to a place and they want you to park in their yard. For like in Green Bay, when I went there and in Cooperstown, everybody figures they've got a parcel of land or a, or a house, any space at all. They'll trick you into staying there. And it's funny, Seattle, all of the listings, this is one thing that I noticed, all of them said no air conditioning. Now, it was like 88, 89 degrees in Seattle the week I was going up there. So global warming has caught all of these people by surprise because nobody has air conditioning in the Pacific Northwest because it never gets that hot. But now that it's getting that hot, all of their Airbnbs, they have to explain, uh, hey, man, there's no air conditioning, but it's it's uh, really nice and we promise it'll be cool and there's shade. And I'm like, yeah, fuck that, man. I'm not, that's all I need to do is book that joint and then cut to me like Thursday afternoon with one ball stuck to each thigh as I'm sweating on some leather couch somewhere because I fell for the sucking Seattle Airbnb air conditioning okie doke. Fuck that, not happening. Um, I think I said sucking instead of fucking there. My mouth, I'm having trouble. I got I got a little excess uh, spit and stuff. I don't know what the fuck is happening in my mouth. Um, I should probably drink some water. But I have momentum. We're talking. I don't want to stop down for water here, right? Although I just, I was just, who was it who told me the other day, they like when I say water and I drink it. It was, uh, this, was it Brent? I don't know. Somebody I met in Seattle was like, dude, it's hilarious when you say water and you just think, oh, it was Brent. Yeah, I think it was Brent. He likes when I say water and just take a sip. Well, you know what? Hey, Brent, this is for you. Water. I apologize. Maybe that'll clean out my fucking mouth, my swamp mouth that I got going right now. So, uh, so I didn't have an Airbnb. I, you know, I didn't have a hotel. And then Airbnb, they, dude, there was this one. This is totally true. I think it's just you know, the B and B now is just stand because again they used to have apartments, but now it just it, I think it stands for blow up mattresses and bullshit. That's what the B and B stands for because there was a uh, a play. It, it, they they offered a campground. Like it literally was like. A yard, and it said you could park and sleep in your car. There was a camping facility in someone's yard, and I, I saw it in my head. I'm just like, you, you want me to pay to sleep in your yard? That's not that's not a that's not a lodging. That that's a virtual reality homeless experience. That's all that is for fuck's sake. And you expect me to pay to sleep in your yard? I got news for you. I can sleep in your yard for fucking free and sneak out in the morning. You'll never know I was there. What is with people trying to people? And and also these dudes. There was one room, and it had two sets of bunk beds in it. 
Two sets of... Dude, putting strangers in bunk beds is how the fucking Heaven's Gate cult got started, all right? Nobody wants to fucking put strangers in bunk beds. Now you're just not even a house. You're just... You're cosplaying hostile at that point. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night with some German guy sawing my foot off. Fuck you, man. Just get a room. You can't rent anything unless it's a room. Don't be putting strangers in the same goddamn room. Uh, it's bad enough you got shared bathrooms. I Because that's another thing. It's a deal breaker for me. I try to set it up when I'm searching to not have a shared bathroom. They, it comes up anyway, and I'm just like, man... 51, 51, that's all I got to say to you, 51, I, area 51, that's who I am, because I'm not going to share the bathroom with some alien whose fucking shit stinks, and it's not even about, like I said, me having to take time to get ready for a show, and have whatever, the, I, I don't care about me, I care about following somebody into the bathroom, and it's going to be, you know, it's an Airbnb, so it's somebody who's poor, and so they're, they're probably, they've been waylaid by some sort of fucking kale and kombucha shake, and I got to go in there and inhale their filth and just get shit long. I can't do that, man. I can't have a shared bathroom. Like, fuck Airbnb, man. Just, they just fucking stop. Um, but I looked. I had to because I waited till late in the game, and there was nothing really to get anyway, which was fine. Uh, so, so instead, I wound up getting a hotel. But when I got a hotel, I couldn't get it in Seattle. I had to get it in Bellevue, Washington, which is about 12 miles east, southeast, maybe 10 miles. I don't know. It was, it was it was within ten miles of Safeco and within ten miles of the gigs. That's all I fucking cared about. So I went there, uh, and I stayed in because <laughs> it's all it's this thing on Priceline where they do an express deal, and it just tells you it's a two star hotel or a two and a half star hotel, but it won't tell you what it is until you book it, and then afterwards it could be anything. I mean, you could have it could be the Shawshank Inn. You have no fucking idea. You just book it and it pops up. It's the Shawshank Inn with Brooks is here carved in every beam in every single room, and there's no room service, just an old man coming around handing books out from a cart. Uh, they don't give you the complimentary robe. They just give you the sash, folks. They just give you the complimentary sash so you can get busy dying, and that's exactly what I want to do at the fucking Shawshank Inn. Uh, don't trick me. No chicanery. Uh, just, just, give me, just tell me where the fuck I'm staying, but I had to do it. I capitulated. Um, I paid full freight, in my opinion. I paid like 130 at night, 140, and uh, which is fine. I knew I was going to be doing this when I went up there. I, I, it's, it was because I do that thing where I trick myself. Where I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. This isn't going to be good. I'm not going to have fun. And then as it got closer, I'm like, dude, again, you're going to watch Pearl Jam twice. You're doing two shows. You're getting paid to do comedy. I mean, this is, this is your dream. This is your life. This is the dream life. It's what you wanted to do. So I, I, I would not allow the old man in me to fuck it up and get me upset, which was fine. Uh, and I was happy about it. So I, I, I booked it through Priceline, and then it popped up on the screen. Uh, congratulations, Mike. Now, I don't know if congratulations are in order, but it's a congratulations, Mike. You are staying at the Extended Stay America in Bellevue. Uh, Extended Stay America, of course, doesn't sound so much like a hotel as much as it does a prison sentence, really, when you think about it. the You, you will get Extended Stay in America, at least these days it is. Uh but that was fine, so I took the I took the lift. Like I said, I went up and threw with a, or an Uber pool or whatever the fuck with three people. It was me, Rosemary, and the other dude from Alabama or Arkansas. Where was he? I don't know. But I get to the hotel, and uh, it, it was a nice enough place. You know, it, it's just all I needed was a bed and a shower, and it had a desk, thankfully. But it also had a fridge, which was fine. But I'll tell you this: here's something you never want to do with the hotel. Here's a, here's something you never want to be able to say anywhere that you're staying on the road. I don't care if it's an Airbnb or a hotel or anywhere. You never want to walk in the door and just have to go. Hey, uh, what's that smell? Like, that's not a question you ever want to ask anybody in a hotel lobby. You don't want to ask a desk clerk. But uh, but I had to at the Extended Stay America because I walked in and I can't even... This smell was... It just... It smelled like... Uh, 
you know what it smelled like? It smelled like somebody because it was sort of pleasant. Like it was pleasant at first, and then it had this thin under underlying. Hey, maybe Dustin Hoffman's going to show up in a hazmat suit because this is like you know because they always what is it that smells like almonds? There's some uh, like is it strychnine or there's some poison that smells or tastes like almonds, and uh, and that's what it was like. It kind of it smelled like you know what it smelled like. Somebody set fire to a bowl of fruit. Uh, and then they pissed on it to put it out. That's what it smelled like. It was just this kind of sweet but sour, like nasty. I can't even describe it. So I said to the woman, I go, what's that smell? And she goes, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I go, well, do you don't really, you don't smell that? And she said, no. I said, okay. Uh, do you think it's all through the hotel? She goes, well, I don't, I don't smell it now. And I go, okay. I just, it just right now it kind of smells, um, funky. It's, it smells like, uh. Like someone hadn't showered for two weeks, but then they covered themselves in baby powder. It's like, it's just this funk. And she goes, oh, well, you know, the last couple that checked in, their baby threw up. Maybe, maybe you think that's what it was? <laughs> yes, I think that's exactly what it was. I think because it did. All of a sudden it made sense to me. I'm like, that's exactly what it smells like. It smells like, like baby because baby is a cool ass smell. It smells like, uh, you know, baby lotion and that pink fucking stuff that they put on them. And that, but it also smelled like ass, like total ass and just nastiness. Oh, it was gross. Um, so she solved the mystery. She's like, yeah, the last couple had a baby who threw up. Oh, well, good. Well, thank you for pointing that out. I, I, I guess, you know, and, and maybe again, maybe I'm a super smeller. Like I'm a super taster. Maybe I just went ahead and picked it out because she, she wasn't phased at all, but I could smell it fucking immediately, man. Uh, I went up to the room. I just spent a couple hours in there and I, I, you know, I wound up leaving a little early. I was going to go eat dinner. Get this, dude. I was going to go eat fucking dinner down by the park. And I was like, I found a great, uh, like a, a noodle place. I found a Mexican place. They all seemed close enough to Safeco. And, uh, and so I tried to order a lift to go down there at like 530 because the show, they were on stage at 730. That's what it said on the ticket. So I'm like, oh, I leave at 530. It was about a 45 minute ride. I get there at 615. I can go ahead and eat and be in the park. And, uh, I go to order a lift and it's $78 to go 10 miles, eight miles. Uh, Uber was not really much better. It was like 74. So I was like, well, fuck that. I'm not going to eat dinner. I'll tell you that. I'll eat dinner in the park. And I waited, waited another 15 minutes and checked. It had gone down to like 68. And then I finally waited about a half an hour. And it was about six o'clock, I think, maybe six fifteen, and uh, I finally it was twenty nine dollars. So I booked it immediately. I'm like, all right, I'm not even gonna fuck around here. Twenty nine dollars is fine with me. I hopped in, and then I was even more mad because then when I, by the time it was, I got into the car, I checked again on like I I, I took a lift to the park, but I checked Uber and it was twenty one dollars. I could have waited if I would have waited another three minutes. I would have saved another $8. And uh, every dime counts, especially when you're at the extended stay America, because you never know if you're gonna have to buy a gun. So. uh I wound up going to the park, and I actually, I was by myself. I filmed a thing for YouTube, and I put it up there. You can actually go find it now. But the vibe at the park was amazing. I mean, Safeco I'd never been, but I love a ballpark that's right in the middle of a city. San Diego is like that. Chicago, like Wrigley, is just right in the middle of a neighborhood. And that's such a cool-ass vibe. And so the place was sold out for people coming to see Pearl Jam, and you could smell people cooking in the streets. There's bands playing. There's a merch booth. And then uh, I will tell you, you had to sit in line for 45 minutes to get into the park, which is fine. You know, it's okay. And then people were trying to sneak in through the bike racks. It's like being an adult, man. I don't know. 
We're all waiting in line. All of us. Everybody's waiting in line. And I, I hate that this is when, again, the 51-year-old man, man in me comes out. We're all waiting in line. We're waiting. We're creeping up. We're creeping up. And then we get close where the bicycle rack is. And these people are trying to just slip in through the bicycle rack. And we're like, dude, the line is back there. Oh, I know, but I'm meeting my friend. doesn't matter if you're meeting your friend, man. You just And I'm trying. I wasn't – I didn't want to be mad. Like, I just wanted to enjoy the show. Um, I also didn't want to appoint myself the policeman of everybody. You know what I mean? But finally, I did at one point. I just went and stood by the crack between the two bicycle racks. And I just stood there. And this guy's like, excuse me. I'm like, nah, dude, there's a line. Well, no, no, my friend's in here. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, and they needed me on that wall. I had to fucking Nicholson it because the only people that had a working on security were, it was the fucking Golden Girls, dude. Fucking Blanche and whoever the fuck else and B. Arthur. And I, and they, and literally, instead of stopping people from sneaking in a line, they would look at them and say, thank you for being a friend. That's what they would say. You know what? I didn't want B. Arthur. I want, I, you know, I, actually, fuck that. I want B. Arthur. But I don't want Golden Girls B. Arthur. I want Maud B. Arthur. I don't want thank you for being a friend B. Arthur. I want God's going to get you for that, Walter. M- Arthur. That's what I want B. Arthur. I want, I want her to look at people and just go, nah, fuck that. Back at the end of the line. God's going to get you for sneaking in. Um... But I refuse to get too involved in it. I'm like, because again, I'm not the world's cop. I don't, I, you know, part of me wants to be, but then I just go, you know what? Just relax and enjoy it. I was talking to people in line because I was alone and we're, you know, we're comparing notes. This is like some people's their sixth time. It's their fifth time. It was my sixth time seeing Pearl Jam. I was so excited. I wanted to talk about it. And, uh, this guy was like, cause Zach Brown band was also playing at Safeco in a couple of weeks. He's like, yeah, I don't get that at all. I go, dude, Zach Brown band is huge. He's like, really? I go, they sold out Summerfest in Wisconsin. Like, I think they sold out two nights. I go, they're, they're one of those bands that can play three nights at a fifteen to 18,000 seat arena. So why wouldn't they come and play one night in Safeco where they could put all those people in the room at once? Uh, so he was, he was alarmed to find out about Zach Brown band. You know, it's, it's like how I feel when I hear a band like big, you know, I, I don't know, Sean Mendez or whoever the fuck. Like, that's a guy I hear all the time on, on hit radio. And if somebody told me that he sold out the fucking Rose Bowl, I'd be like, Jesus Christ, that makes no sense to me. I mean, I know he has like four songs, but that's enough. Uh, but yeah, that's enough. Young people will pay. They want to see these people. They want to do that kind of thing. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. He got disposable income. Go see a band. So the Zach Brown band is big enough to sell a fucking joint out. Let him fucking come in and do it. Jerk. <laughs> Carl, the guy behind me in line uh, with your wife. Uh, so, so I get into the park after we waited in line. And uh, I was sitting in the upper tank, but I took a couple of laps around Safeco. I took some photos. And just, again, that vibe was in the air. People were drinking, but they were there to have a good time. Nobody was being shitty. If you go to some concerts, you know, if you go to a metal joint or something, you can find annoying people or just people who want to fight. They want to cause problems. Uh, Pearl Jam is different because, I mean, look, you're going to get your drunk fuck-ups no matter where you go. Every show is going to have those kind of people, but... But Pearl Jam, there's a real camaraderie there. I mean, it's it's and especially coming home to Seattle to be playing in their hometown and people, there were people who knew them. You know, they knew them from Mookie Blaylocks. They knew they knew them from Mother Love Bone, and they and they feel a, a real kinship, a real ownership of the band. And the band loves the city. They all still live there, so it's uh, it's it's that's why I wanted to see them there. That's why I really wanted to go see them at uh, at Safeco because I had the choice you know, when I when I was told to buy tickets because they were playing one show in Missouri. Two shows in Seattle, two shows in Chicago, two shows in Fenway Park. And it said, when I had to go in the lottery for tickets, it said, list the cities in order that you'd want to see them. And I was like, fuck that. Seattle first, Boston second, Chicago third, and then uh, and and uh, Missouri fourth. <laughs> I mean, look, Missouri, you're great. But I, I, or not Missouri, I apologize, uh, Montana. Missoula, Montana, that's where it was. Um and people were wondering why they're playing Missoula, Montana. So, well, they're bass players from there, or at least he lived there a little while growing up. So, uh, 
he absolutely wanted to be to go there and do a show, and so they did. But I wanted to see them in Seattle, and I won the, my lottery, so I was able to go. And uh, yeah, I saw them on I saw them on Wednesday, and then I saw them on Friday. All right, so it was a contrast. I saw them in two nights. The first night I was going by myself. The second night, a listener named Mike stepped up, and he was like, "Because you know, I bought t- a ticket for myself." But then Mike reached out to me. He goes, "Hey, look, I'm going to be in town, and I'm going to the show." I'm going to have a really good ticket because I'm in the 10 club and I have seniority. So if you'd like to come with me, you can sell your ticket and try to, you know, and use it to pay for whatever your trip is. And, uh, I mean, that was phenomenal. I mean, I, I just, I loved the fact that he made the offer. And I should tell you, Mike is the guy who, uh, who donated the new laptop to the show. Mike is the fucking coolest guy ever. Um, well, look, all right, that sounds cheap. Mike, Mike. I didn't know Mike at all. I know Mike had been very generous with me by getting me the new laptop, and then Mike generously offered me his ticket to Pearl Jam. Now, I just presumed he was a really fucking cool guy because he was very nice to me. That's all I knew. I hadn't met him yet, so I don't want to say he was cool without meeting him. But I absolutely reached out, and I said, yeah, dude, I would love to do that. So then I, I want to, Graham wound up buying my ticket, so Graham went to the show with us on Friday night. Uh, and so I was going to sit with uh, with Mike and see the show. And so that's why... The contrast is so different. Like the first night, like I said, I was by myself. So, and I sat upper tank. I was in fifth row, like dead center stage, fifth row, upper deck. So I wasn't in the lower bowl. I wasn't on the, on the field, but I was in the upper deck at Safeco, but still five rows back and dead center of the stage. And, uh, and then with Mike, I was in the fourth row behind the pit. So... I was in the seats fourth row behind the pit. So it's just a different vibe both nights. I'm so happy that I was able to see it from both perspectives. Because, I mean, I've seen them, you know, I've seen them myself in the pit before. I mean, I've had really good seats. And I've seen them where I just wanted to be in the building to see them. But uh, but the contrast of it was so fun because when I went the first night, you know, I'm by myself up there. And uh, there's people on their phones. There's people going for beer back and forth. I mean, the band's on stage. And people are going for beer. They're talking. And because uh, again, it's like you're watching it on television from that from that height when you're and people just are self involved anyway. So they're taking selfies and they're taking photos of themselves and they're talking and they're discussing stuff. And I I, I don't uh, I don't understand that. I mean, the tickets were 135 bucks. I don't know why you want to have a conversation throughout the entire show, but it just seems. And I wasn't mad. Again, I wasn't going to allow myself to get mad. I just I just was beleaguered by it. And so I was trying to enjoy it on on a level that I wanted to to enjoy other concerts. So, you know, when they're having sing-alongs and they're clapping and stuff, I was clapping and I was singing, but, uh, but up top, man, I'm, uh, I'm the only dude singing. <laughs> like literally I got my fist in the air and I'm loud. I will tell you this. I'm loud when I sing. So if I'm in the crowd of a bunch of people singing, then it's different. You can still hear me because I'm very loud, but, uh, but I'm conscious of it. So I'm trying not to overwhelm people and sing the fucking songs. Everybody, you look, you want to hear Eddie sing, but if there's a crowd sing along, I'm going to sing, but I have to kind of throttle down because I can yell and you can hear me over the crowd, which is weird. Um, especially if you're in my general vicinity, which is, which is, you know, which most people that that's what I'm concerned with. Now you're three sections over. I, if you hear me singing, then fuck me. That's my fault. And fuck you for listening. Go ahead and listen to Eddie. Quit looking at me, man. Uh, but I like, but literally it's like, they're like doing the sing along on a live and it's like, Oh, I am a lot. And I got my fist in the air and I'm, and there's nobody else. And I'm like, uh, am I, uh, I'm alive. I'm the only one alive. All right. I guess I'm the only one alive here in the upper tank. That's fine. I mean, that's how you want to handle it. But then you cut to Friday and I'm, I'm down behind the pit and here, this will tell you the difference between being upstairs with people who are just kind of 
casually there and checking it out. It's it's the difference between like watching a movie on Netflix and then and maybe watching them film a movie. I mean, I don't know if it's that stark, but uh, you know when you get when you when you go to this movie theater and people are on their phone and they're talking, they act like they're in their own fucking house. That's what the upper deck was like. But downstairs, down on the field. It was this camaraderie. It was all because it's all these people again. These are ten club people. These people, and to be as close as I was, you've got to have seniority. You've got to really have a, a low number in the fan club to get a chance to buy those tickets. And Mike, uh, I, I mean, he's been a fan club member since 1991 or 1990. I apologize, 1990. And uh, I, all right, I'll just tell you this. I, like I said, this is my sixth time seeing Pearl Jam. So I was super excited. I told Graham I'd seen him six times. When I was talking to people out in line, they're like, oh, that's great. I have friends who've seen him four times or five times. And uh, I wound up talking to Mike. And, uh, you know, he's been a fan of theirs for a very long time. And I'm like, oh, man, I saw him. This is my sixth time seeing them. Thank you. And uh, I said, how many times have you seen them? And he goes, oh, man, I think uh, think this will be my 171st time. I'm sorry. What? He goes, yeah, I... I, um, I, I've seen them everywhere. I, I see them all the time. There, so, so Mike, he has seniority, but he also uses it. And he goes places. He saw them in Barcelona. He saw them in Italy. He told me that he, because he lives in, in uh, I don't know if I don't want to get too specific here, but he lives in the South. And uh, when they go on tour, they'll put out the schedule and he'll sit down and go, okay, where do I want to go that I've never been? And he'll look at countries or he'll look where they're playing shows. I mean, he's seen Eddie Vedder solo in different places. He's just... Uh, He's he's an unbelievable fan of the band, and and so I, I wanted to talk. I even said to him, "I go, hey, is this is this still exciting for you? Is this something you still love to do?" He goes, "Oh my god, I love them. Yeah, absolutely." He goes, "I, you know, it's, I'll admit." He goes, "I'm I'm starting to get a little wary now when I go to the shows. You know what I mean?" And I said, "I can't imagine 170 times, but but they mean so much to him." And, uh, and I thought that was great. And for him to involve me in that, I just felt, because that's a ritual, dude. That's not even like going to a concert. That's a goddamn ritual. If you're flying from, you know, down near Florida and you're coming up to Seattle to go see the band and then you invite me to go with you. I mean, I, you're inviting me into, into your inner circle. You're inviting me into your ritual. This is the 171st time you did it. I, I, I just, uh, I was honored. I was honored for him to, to ask me to join him. So we sat down on the field. We're behind the pit, and uh, so, like I said, I'm in the upper tank on Friday night, which is or on Wednesday night, which is like, yay, I am alive, but I'm the only one. Uh, meanwhile, this is we go down on uh, uh, <laughs> behind the pit on on Friday, and uh, this this is the difference in the crowd. Okay, um, there was an Australian woman in front of us, and she was with her boyfriend, and uh, Eddie the, the Pearl Jam brought out. Three guys. They brought out Kim Thaw from Soundgarden, and they brought out uh, Mark and Steven from Mudhoney to join them on stage. And they played uh, they played Sonic Reducer, and they played Search and Destroy. So they played a couple of covers. They played uh, you know Search and Destroy by the Stooges, and then they played and then and then they played fucking Sonic Reducer. And Sonic Reducer started, and I you know they've I've got bootlegs with them singing it, and it's a fucking great song. It's a Sonic Reducer, ain't no looser. Oh, oh. I mean it's a, it's a great song. So they start into it, and uh, you know the guy from Mud Honey is singing, and Eddie's doing a duet with him, and I'm singing, and the girl, the Australian girl in front of me, she's singing too, and she looks over at her boyfriend, and he he makes he shrugs like I don't like I don't know this one. She punches him in the arm. She just goes. She makes a face like she's horrified. She punches him in the arm, and she turns around to me, and she's like Sonic Reducer, and I'm like Ain't No Loser, and she fucking high fives me, and she's just like Yeah, and she keeps singing. 
Um, because she was fucking hardcore, because everybody in that section was hardcore, because everybody on the field is hardcore. Now, none of them are as hardcore as Mike, who saw the band 171, oh my God, times. Um, But I mean, who knows? She might have seen them 170 times. That's the thing is people love them, and that's why it's cool to see them. That's why I didn't mind seeing them two nights, because uh, they change the set list all the time, because they know what the crowd is like. They know that people come to see them do... Uh, multiple shows, and so they always switch it up. They always play different stuff. And I will tell you, the first night they played, I like, I don't know, I uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, but I thought coming home to Seattle, it was going to be a special show, it was going to be amazing. And dudes, they played three hours and five minutes on Wednesday night. And they played the, the fucking baseball stadium, turned the baseball stadium lights on at the two hour and 45 minute mark. They played another 20 minutes. They played like three more songs. They just, they just, they killed it. It was, it was just fantastic. And I, and they played everything I could ever want. And they played Rearview. Of course they played Rearview Mirror, but I mean, they played State of Love and Trust. They played Breath and a Scream, which is just called Breath. They played, uh, I, I mean, Comfortably Numb. You know, they just did, they did everything you could possibly imagine. And, and there was, you know, the, and there was a woman behind me. With, uh, you know, in the upper tank, like I said, there were, there were, it was, people were commiserating and talking. So as the show went on, after about an hour, she's like, when are they going to play Jeremy? And her husband is like, oh, they're going to play it soon, honey. And uh, then they kept playing and, and then they went for their first encore. They played Rearview Mirror and they left. And she's like, hey, they didn't play Jeremy. And he goes, it's, it, it's not even close to over yet. It's only, and she's like, it's been an hour and 40 minutes. He's like, I know that, but they're going to play at least probably another half hour to an hour. She's like, all right, well, I hope they play Jeremy. And then they came out and they started playing the encores and they gave the speech because they raised $11 million for homeless people, which is fucking incredible. Uh, they gave speeches. They sang more. They did tunes. Uh, and then they leave again and they did not play Jeremy. And this woman goes, I can't believe that I came to see them and they're not going to play Jeremy. And what's and the thing that made me laugh is because I know her husband must love them or her boyfriend, whoever he is. And he probably said to her, hey, you want to go see Pearl Jam? And she's like, I don't know. Who's Pearl Jam? And he goes, Jeremy, you know, you like Jeremy. And she went, oh, yeah, I like Jeremy. And then she got convinced to go. And then she's sitting there in a baseball stadium in the upper tank, and she's just bitching. That's the only way to put it. She's bitching. I mean, if they don't play Jeremy, I can't believe I came to. I finally came to see him, and they're not going to play Jeremy. And he's like, they're going to play Jeremy. Don't worry about it. So they came back out for the second encore. And uh, like I said, comfortably, they played everything you could ever possibly imagine. Except Jeremy. <laughs> they're like, good night at the three-hour and five-minute mark. And the place is, everybody's spent... It's just, it's just everybody's been fucking for three hours and they finally came and then these guys leave and the lights are still on, you know, of course. And then the, you know, the, the stage lights go down and everybody's just kind of like exhaling and they're, and they're groggy. Like I, I went, I go in my head, I go, there's no way they can top this. I don't know how they can top this. Uh, and behind me, this woman, there's just like a beat after they walk off stage and the stage lights go off and she just goes, I can't believe they didn't play Jeremy. And I, I, I just turned around and I looked at her and I, I, again, I was trying to avoid any sort of controversy. I wanted to look at her and just go, hey, fuck you, man. They just played three hours and five minutes. They crushed. They were so good. This is a show that you dream of. But it wasn't enough for her. She had, she's so mad she didn't get to hear Jeremy. Uh, and, and I just, I walked out of there dazed. I mean, I'm walking out with other people and, uh, and they're just like, yeah, I don't, uh, that was incredible. I go, that was astonishing, right? I go, I don't know how they topped that. I don't know how they topped it. Because I've seen Springsteen do over three hours. Uh, it just, it, but, you know, these guys, 
they're my age, and the aggression they had in Rearview Mirror, and the aggression they had in their really, their rockin' songs, but then they, they, you know, they start the show slow, I mean, they're just, and they played Inside Job, which I really wanted to hear, at least the reprise, which I really love, I'm sorry, uh, um, Life Wasted, the reprise, of Life Wasted, they didn't play Inside Job, but they played that, dude, they played Release, it was the second song they played, and yeah, I know, every show, it happens, blah, 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 um, I cried. I just, I couldn't help it because release, because again, thinking in the context of rebirth and, and, uh, the way things are changing and how I want my life to change for them to do because re- release is just such a, oh my God, it's such a great song. It's phenomenal. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's about letting go. And so I've been letting go of a lot of things recently and it just waylaid me. And I'm, I mean, I'm crying. Like it's just involuntarily. It wasn't like, Ugh, but I'm just, tears are flowing down my face. That was the second song of the night. And then they played another three hours. It was incredible. And we're, I'm walking out with people, like I said, I'm looking at guys, I go, how do they top that? How do they top that Friday? And the guy goes, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I go, yeah, that's that's incredible. So uh, I walked out of there, and I, like I said, I came alone, but then, uh, folks, you may remember from Seattle shows past, uh, Hove, our good friend Paul Cheever, who lives in Seattle, the Chibacabra. Uh, he had contacted me, and it turned out he was like, man, I can't come to the shows because I'm going out of town. He was going to like Vancouver with his dad on like a cruise to go fishing. Uh, but he said, man, I'd love to see you if I could possibly squeeze in Wednesday. I go, dude, I can see you after Pearl Jam. So he actually get this. But this is what the fucking Hoove did, man. Earlier, I'm talking about how nobody picks me up because I'm an idiot and I'm whining. But uh, the Hoove came downtown and was, was around Safeco. I said, tell me where you're at. I put it in the fucking thing. I walked over to meet him. Uh, he was there. He goes, hey, man, there's an all-night diner that I know of. It's a fantastic place. I said, it's great. He goes, they only close on Christmas. Like, that's the only day of the year they close. I said, I'm in. And I told him about the show. I found out about him. And, uh, you know, he's a DJ. He said he does the Chibacabra stuff, which is fucking amazing. And he went to Japan. So we started exchanging Japan stories because he got to go tour over there and he got to play a bunch of clubs. And, um, you know, he's got he's got his regular life, too, but then he's got his DJ life. And I was I was it was good to see him because I'll tell you what, I love that guy. He's He was so nice to me. I hung out with him when I was in Seattle the last time um, and to see him this time. And he was he was just excited to see me. So it's it's. Yeah, I love coming to cities and seeing you guys. I mean, I love coming and, and, and seeing people. It's like if I go to Austin, I want to see Jen and Dustin Svalik. I want to see them and talk to them. And every city's got a, pl- or got a person or, or people that I remember from when I was visiting, you know, and, and I'm excited. So, I mean, if I go back to places, when I go to Boston, I'll see, I'll see Andrew Bennett and I'll see Michael Caldwell. And, uh, you know, I had a good time with people hanging out and really, it was fun. Every time I go, like I said, I see John Floor whenever I go out. If I go to Toronto, I'm going to see Kenny and John and you guys are my friends. So to see Paul, to see a friend was really great, especially after a show that I just went, I, I saw alone and I was pretty gassed. But uh, we go to this diner and we park outside and we go walking up and it's completely dark. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't see inside. And he goes, oh, I, I think that's just the shades. And I go, why would they have the shades down at night? And we walk up and there's a sign. It just says, closed repairs tonight only. We apologize. They, they don't close at all. Folks. I don't know if, you're, if I reiterated, they close no nights at all except for Christmas. We go walking up. It's closed that night on a lark. So he goes, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go. I said, well, there's got to be another joint. I, I, I go, I don't even want to, I'm not even cared about eating. I just want to hang out and talk. So we Googled some stuff. He goes, you want to do something here? You want to go to Bellevue? I go, that's up to you, man. You're carting me around. You got to get up early and get on the boat. So I, I got nothing going on tomorrow except my show late. So we actually wound up going to Bellevue and went to a place called 13 Coins, which is an all night. It's not a diner. This is so weird. It's a restaurant in a Hilton or, 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 or a hotel. But uh, it doesn't, you know, it serves breakfast, but also, dudes, it serves like Clams Casino. Like it's this old time mobster joint. It's got wood tables, a lot of mahogany. Uh, 
and the servers are wearing little tuxedos and uh, you get a fancy menu and you open it up and I mean everything's 18 bucks 20 bucks and we ordered we wound up getting some panko onion rings and then I get this is what I did because I'm like this is like a mob joint dude so I had to eat like a mobster I get fucking spaghetti carbonara at one o'clock in the morning that's right it's all I had of my business I went ahead and choked that down and then me and Polly Walnuts went out into the fucking whack the Russian that's how we handled our business uh, so uh, yeah, we just, me and Paul hung out and we talked and we had a good time and I, I ate spaghetti carbonara in the middle of the night and, and you know, like, it's not healthy for you. I understand it's not fitting the rebirth mode, but I hadn't eaten that day anyway. So I was fine. I didn't eat at the park. So I, I was starving. Uh, and I only ate half the order, by the way, I ate half the carbonara. So, uh, so I'm off the hook there, right? Yes, of course I am. <laughs> and, uh, and then I saw Paul. He dropped me off at the hotel, and we were done. I got a, I got a weird, fuck, God damn it! Hold on. You're listening to the Forty Year Old Boy, and next, Nazi sleepover. Dudes, I don't know if it's just if it's recording in the in the new room at the desk or what, but my fucking like my sinuses or my nose got all clogged up there, and I and I, I can hear myself, even though I can't hear myself in the earbuds. I can hear myself talking, and I know I sound bad to me, not bad, but just different. Like I sound stuffed up. And it started to get a logie there, so I had to take a break. So I, I apologize for that. So I want to listen to me. I, I sound like I'm on the phone with you guys. I'm like, I had to take a break. That's how it goes. Um, but I hung out with Paul. He dropped me off at, the, at my hotel. It was great. I got up on uh, Friday. I'm sorry, Thursday. I just hung out. And, uh, you know, we did. I, I ordered fucking DoorDash for the first time. I had soup noodles brought to my room like a king. <laughs> I ordered soup noodles from Dozone. Uh, Graham picked me up. We went to the show. We did the vigilante show, and it was very interesting. I did not, I did not know what it was going to be like, and I was prepared. You know, I told you I was going to do about a half hour of topical stuff, and uh, and then I talked to Graham, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you do ten minutes up front, and then I'll come out and I'll do my stand up, and then we'll get together and we'll do the political stuff. You know, you'll be on stage with me, and we'll have a discussion, and then we'll do a game show. He, you know, he's the structure of his vigilante show is different from a stand up show, um, but I th- I thought I was doing thirty minutes to open." <laughs> but so I prepared for it uh, during the day on Thursday, and then he's like, "Yeah, man, if you do ten up front, ten to fifteen, and then I'll come out and I do my time." And I said, "It's your, you know, your show." I mean, it was our show, but I, the political vigilante night, I was, I was conceding to him, and I, and it's, you know, every ticket we sold for that night was basically they were there to see the vigilante. So uh, I don't want to say I was surprised. But it was very interesting to me to see the crowd that came to see Graham because he's, you know, he's tied himself in with Jimmy Dore and the Young Turks and he's doing his political vigilante thing. So he does his YouTube videos and he's very, uh, you know, he's, he's very topical, very progressive, very, he's almost a socialist. I don't know if I guess you would say that possibly progressive is I think what he just, he prefers and he's all in like he and I talked, you know, cause I don't, I don't know what this stuff, I don't know if it's a hustle. I got no fucking idea. I don't know if it's just a new way to find a new crowd. But as I talked to Graham, you know, in the car and then backstage in the green room, and I, I, you know, this guy is passionate. I mean, he's really sold on this, and he he wants to change the country as much as he possibly can. And he's, you know, do I agree with him on everything? I don't. But at the same time, you know, me, I got no hope for anything these days. So I was willing to listen and hear exactly what he had to say, and I and I loved it. I felt educated. I felt, uh, I felt that I came out of it smarter than I went in. You know, we wound up talking in the car. We wound up talking backstage. And then on stage, he uh, he wound up just kind of, it was almost like a presentation. Like, it wasn't super funny. He was talking about progressives and he was talking about the elections that had just gone past. He talked about Ohio and other different places. And uh, and I genuinely asked questions because that was the thing. I said, look, I, I would stop him and I'd go, all right, I want to ask you a question about Ocasio-Ortiz and I, or, or Cortez or whatever her name is. And I'd say, what about this person? And, and what about this? And Bernie? And I... 
Because I don't know. Like, I need to be educated about these sorts of things. I wanted to go ahead and find out exactly what I'm missing, what I need to know. And, uh, you know, I found it fascinating. I found a lot of the stuff they had to say very interesting. I also, what I really thought was fascinating was, again, all of the people in the audience, they were not, uh, they were not passive. Like, he would say something, and they would groan, or they would say, oh, yeah, no, that, what about this other person in this state? And he would he opened it up the floor for questions. Uh, it was more of a, I don't want to say a rally, because it wasn't as well attended as a rally would be, but it was more of a, it was almost like a town hall. You know, like, he, he sat down with his notes, and he talked to people, and they were into it. That's what they wanted. It wasn't, I would stop down, I'd do a joke, I'd do a bit. I was, cause I was always trying to be funny, because that's, that's what I'm armed with. That's what I'm trying to be. And uh, it might have been a little out of place at times. I mean, I thought I picked my spots pretty well, but uh, but everybody was very nice and encouraging. There's a game show that closes it, and then we hung out afterwards, and, man, the people wanted to talk. They wanted to talk politics. They wanted to talk to Graham. And uh, it was an interesting night. And I'll tell you this, by the way, the uh, we were at the Jewel Box at the Rendezvous. If you can ever get there, I recommend that you do for, well, the shows, of course, are the shows. But holy God, dudes, she kept telling me, she's uh, uh, Jane was the woman who runs the, the place. And she's like, uh, hey, we got a new chef in from Momofuku's. So we got this new menu. It's going to be amazing. You should really pitch that to everybody. And I think I mentioned it here on the show a few times. And then I got there and I saw the menu. And uh, holy God, dudes. It was all fancy Dan food. There was like a, what was the, <laughs> pastrami? No, no, no. I can't remember what it was. Fuck. There, there was a smoked spaghetti. And then there was basically a Reuben with noodles. It was it was a pastrami uh, sauce with a with a Swiss fondant. I can't even remember what it was called. But it was, it was oh, caraway seed uh, penne pasta. Caraway penne. Caraway penne. And it was caraway seed along with Reuben. It was a Reuben. It was just a Reuben with noodles in it. It was fucking amazing. And and I didn't get to order it. I tried to order it on that night, but I wasn't hungry. I don't like eating before a show. But dude, we had the best tater tots I've ever had in my life. They were they were they came with like a curry sauce. And I knew I, I knew they were going to be good because on the menu, they weren't described as tater tots. They were the only thing on the menu that was billed like a movie credit. Everything else was like smoked spaghetti, uh ricotta avocado bacon fritters, but this had Kennebec potatoes as tater tots. So there was no questioning. There was there was an audition period. This isn't you know this is one of your starchy Boise whites. These are Kennebecs, motherfucker. That's what that's all you need to know. You know every other the red potatoes they had their audition and they lost. The Kennebecs won and they have been cast in tonight's menu as the tater tots. And uh, and Graham ordered them. And he, and he, you know, I wasn't going to eat him because I don't eat before a show. But he's like, you got to have a couple of these because these are the fucking best tater tots I've ever had. And uh, he wasn't lying. They were damn good. And and I was excited to eat them because that's I you know and again I don't usually eat before a show, but then it turned out I was only doing ten minutes anyway, so it wasn't really it was more like a night off, but that was fine. I was cool with it, and uh, and the crowd was real nice. Everything was great. The next day was Friday. I had to go Pearl Jam again, like I said. Um, also, uh, Gio, you know Giovanni, super fan Gio, not super fan of me, but certainly super fan of others. He uh, he reached out to me and he was like, oh my god, you know he used to live in Seattle. He's like, there's a bakery called Le Paneer. You need to go Le Paneer or Le Paneer. You have to go get the Provençal and, and you got to get this broccoli tart. And then there's a, you know, and I'm like, all right, dude, because I'm going to tell you, he, if I showed you the text, he was, he's like the Provençal is like the seventh flavor you've never discovered. It's so good. It's unbelievable. And, uh, I'm usually wary of people with their food recommendations, but I mean, you know, he was so adamant about it. I'm like, all right. So Le Panier was, it was downtown. Cause I also, there's another thing I was supposed to go for roast pork with my buddy Wayne. Wayne's a listener to this show. And he had contacted me. He's like, dude, we're totally going to go for roast pork when you're in town at this place called Unbien. And I'm like, I'm in, buddy. Let's do the roast pork. And I contacted him. And he's like, yeah, um, how about Saturday before the show? I'm like, I kind of don't eat before a show. But I mean, I can eat 
Wednesday or Friday before Pearl Jam. He's like, eh, I got work, so it's probably not going to work out. And then Wayne was just immediately like, yeah, so I guess we'll do it another time. I'm like, uh, <laughs> Wayne, I'm not in Seattle a lot. So, I mean, and especially when you say roast pork, I think I said on the show before, there's only like two word phrases, roast pork and shaved pussy. I'm in mouth open, mouth watering. Um, but he was like, yeah, I can't, he couldn't. I mean, he's got a real life because that's the thing. I'm hiding in a hotel room all the fucking time and he's got a real life. So, so I did not get roast pork at UNBN, but I guess next time Wayne and I will do that. Uh, but this Le Panier, so I didn't want to miss Le Panier. If I couldn't get UNBN, I had to get Le Panier. But it was downtown Seattle, and it turned out – so I contacted Mike, who was bringing me to the Pearl Jam show. And, you know, it's not like Mike's done enough for me already with a laptop and then a fucking ticket to the show. I have to make him into a fucking pastry errand boy. And I contacted him. I go, hey, where are you staying? And he told me. And it, it turned out it was, like, near the bakery. So I'm like, hey, dude, can you go to Le Panier and get me this and this and this and this? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I can grab that. He goes, yeah, just give it to me. We'll pick you up for the show tonight. So Graham and I picked him up. He gives me the bag. I go to pay him and he won't take any money. I'm like, dude, what are you, I didn't fucking, I didn't order macarons as well as Provençal and an almond croissant because I even wrote on the text. They go, and whatever you want, that's the universal indicator for I'm going to pay you back. Get me this and this and this and whatever you want. You're going to get the money. Uh, but he's very kind as all of you are because also Paul paid for, for dinner. I again, spaghetti, spaghetti carbonara at one o'clock in the morning, not cheap. And, uh, and Paul just grabbed the check. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. He's like, I know I don't have to, but I want to. Same thing with Mike. I don't have to. I want to. It's, I support the show. And uh, and you've done the show for you know 10 years now. I've, I've listened to you every week. And everybody's very nice. And everybody steps up and they, have, and they all say the same, uh, not the same thing, but they all have their own connection to the show. And they want to show me how much they appreciate it by doing something like that. And, and it was so great. So uh, I wound up leaving the pastries in the car. We went into the stadium. And it was just me, Graham, and Mike. And, uh, and it was it was pretty cool because Mike got to hang out with two comedians who were busting balls and having fun. And we busted Mike's balls. We had a good time. We talked a little about where he lives. And, and uh, you know, Graham was sitting up her tank. We went down to the seats. And then, uh, remember I told you they couldn't top the first night, Pearl Jam? Yeah, guess what? Uh, three hours and 20 minutes on Friday. Uh, it, it was a stunt. Again, I can't. And I know you get tired of hearing me, lay, you know, blow people and give superlatives. But I... I I, I love art and I love effort in and to see them come out and play and love it. And they brought out the guys, like I said, from Mudhoney and Soundgarden. They played and they played a ton of cover tunes and they just kept playing. Same thing, the stadium. This time the stadium waited until the three hour mark and then turned the lights on them. And they played another 20 minutes. It's like, it was like they went in their brains. You know what? No matter when they turn the lights on, we're going to keep playing for 20 more minutes. Um you know, and I, I asked Mike, I'm like, how does this rank in, in the shows you've seen? Because he, he saw them, dude, he went and saw them three nights at the Spectrum when they closed the Spectrum in Philadelphia, which was then torn down. That was in 2009 when the Phillies were in the World Series. And he saw them on Halloween night when Pearl Jam came out dressed like Devo and did Whip It. I mean, he's just seen some special shows. And like I said, he went to fucking Barcelona. He's been to Italy. He's gone all over the world to see them. And he told me, and this is, this is a philosophy I need to adopt a lot more. It's just I don't put in the effort that a Michael does because Michael has a, you know he he's worked very hard, and uh, and he has a really good job. He's originally from New York, and he's like you know I'm not married, I don't have any kids, and uh, you know I'm putting money away. And then in my head I'm kind of like why why what what for? Why shouldn't I enjoy it and go do things that I want to do? And and I had talked to Graham a little bit about that too because Graham told me you know Graham went to Costa Rica just to go surfing. Uh, Graham goes to Hawaii. He'll book himself there just to do shows so he can be in Hawaii and surf. And I mean, I booked these shows so I could go see Pearl Jam. And that's, that's an unbelievable gift 
to be able to do that, to have that kind of leeway, to have that kind of play. Now, of course, I'm back home now and I'm fuck broke. I mean, I've got to go out and drive a bunch this week <laughs> and next week and all of the weeks in between me, uh, Seattle and Toronto. I got to go and do as much as I can, especially with the new apartment. You know what I mean? I, I, I just have, you know, I've got a lot to do. I just do. And I'd, I'd love to be able to make my living more at comedy. And so when the streaming starts and things like that, I'm excited. And, and like I said, I want to come to your town and do a show at your house or whatever the fuck. I mean, I have, I have ideas and plans and, and, and I'm inspired. I'm inspired by it. So Mike inspired me because he, like I said, when the, when the concerts are announced, he just sits down and he goes, all right, where do I want to go in the world? Where have I never been? And he makes it happen because he like, I, you know, he just said, Hey, uh, I love them. I love this. And I love going places and I want to see the world. And I'll, if I can tie it in with that, that's what I'll do. And I loved that attitude. I thought it was fantastic. So we wound up leaving the stadium uh, together. We, we, we met Graham at the Ken Griffey Jr. sign. And, uh, and then we, we dropped Michael off at his hotel. And, and it was just, it, it was just, again, a magical night. It was, it was fantastic to spend time with a new friend, Michael, a guy who's been so generous to me and I was able to meet uh, finally in person and thank him and, and tell him, you know, and, and he gave, he bought me bakery stuff. He didn't have to fucking do that. It made me feel weird, but not really weird. It made me feel generous and blessed. If, if you can use the word blessed, I'm lucky. I, I blessed in the, you know, and you know me, I don't know what's going on upstairs. If there's a Jesus or whatever the fuck, um, I'm honored that people think enough of me to include them in their lives. You guys, anybody who listens to me, like I've, I've written many times, anybody who's ever listened or laughed, I owe you. Because you've you've made this uh, possible, and uh, I'm not rich, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have a giant mansion and infinity pool, but uh, but I've got you guys, and I've got you know, like I said, my apartment is new, and I've got rebirth, and I'm excited. And and anytime I can go have dinner with a Paul and have spaghetti at fucking one in the morning and just laugh, that's so valuable. Anytime I can go just with Mike. To, uh, you know, the, the concert's the concert. That was beautiful and fun, and we had a great time. But also to be able to meet him and bust his balls and learn about him and learn about his family and learn about where he grew up in New York and his brothers and, and, and you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and now that I say this, his brothers in my head, I'm like, did he have brothers? I think he did. I, may, I might have been thinking of somebody else. Uh, I was listening, I promise, when we talked. But anyway, it was. I, I'm I'm waxing rhapsodic and I don't mean to, but it was just it was really fantastic to share that night with Mike uh, was was the best. And so we dropped him off at the hotel, and then Graham and I hustled back, and he's like, "Hey, I'll come get you tomorrow because we had the show at seven o'clock." Um, Saturday night was uh, was the actual comedy show. The well, the, you know, the, I mean, there's comedy show on Thursday, but stand up storytelling show. That's what I build it as on Saturday, and. Uh, uh, you know, I won't lie to you. I was in my head a little bit because I asked. I, I purposely wanted to follow Graham because I wanted to test the strength of what I do uh, following another headliner and a guy who's been headlining for 10, 15 years and a high-energy headliner at that. Um, so we get there and, uh, you know, Graham and I are backstage and we actually, I filmed the green room thing on Thursday and I put it on Patreon for some people. Uh, you might've seen it. If you didn't go check it out, if you're a, I think I did it for the $10 and up donors. And there's going to be more of that coming. I'll be filming stuff, putting stuff on there for Patreon. And, uh, and I just, cause you guys are very special and I want to make sure you know that. And also I want to do more of this. I want to go and include you. I, I, you know, I, I have some ideas and plans for the coming weeks and I see that every show, but I do, I really do. I'm trying to get my apartment squared away and, and try to make, again, I got to drive a bunch cause I got to make a bunch of money. Um, but yeah, so I, I have ideas. So Saturday we go to the gig and, uh, Jason, the, uh, the stage manager's there and he's, he's a really nice guy laid back and 
we go in the green room, we wait. And like I said, I w- it was important to me to test myself. I wanted Graham to go first so I could go after him and see, you know, test myself following a high-energy headliner, a guy who's been a headliner for 10, 15 years. And so he, he got introduced, he went on stage, and he was crazy high energy. The room was, I, you know, room was pretty full. And I would, I would say roughly more, I would say more than half of the people were there to see Graham. People repeated from Thursday. Some of the political people came and his standup was very, I thought, I guess I thought the political stuff was Thursday and then we were going to move into Saturday and do, do regular non-political, but, but you know, I wasn't, I certainly didn't tell him what to do. And there was, there was a huge amount of political uh, in his act, even when he was talking about real stuff, he would refer to politics and things like that. And, and, uh, and, and I, you know, he was, that's what he does. Cause that's what he does now. And, and I was, I was like, all right, that's cool. That's how he handles it. And I was in the back listening. And, and also, like I said, he's very, Graham's very high energy. So in the back, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to follow this and then, and we'll see how it goes. Cause what I do is different. And also this was my first show in a very long time in front of people who don't know who I am. Uh, you know, there were, there were people there, there were people who were there, of course, to see me that I know of who bought tickets. I saw their names, uh, as I've met in Brent and Megan and, and, uh, you know, Jeremy was there and, and I'll tell you about them in a few and then Wayne, um, Wayne and, and his wife, Aaron. But, uh, but I would say the majority of the crowd was there to see Graham. And, uh, and, and so I, in my head, I'm like, all right, I got to follow him in a crowd that, uh, of people that love him. And I'm going to be doing something very different from what he does. Uh, and not, not, not very different because look, when I was in Cincinnati, I basically just talked. And when I see you guys on the one man, when I had written stories, that was a totally different thing. So in my head, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about how usually when I do these road shows, I talk about how I got there. And basically what I do is I do the podcast you just heard, uh, you know, all the, all the Airbnb, all that stuff. That's bits, man. I wrote that stuff for the show and then I bring it to you guys uh, now, um, so I did that, and so anyway, so Graham finishes, he does 45 minutes, and then I went out there, and, and we had a hard out, so we were both doing 45 minutes, and uh, I got out on stage, and I, I basically picked it up right at the level that Graham was at. I mean, he was he was very bang, 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 bang aggressive, and I was bang, 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 bang aggressive on stage for the first 25 minutes, talking about Airbnb, and talking about the hotel, and what's that smell, all those things, were that was all from the stage that night, and uh, and yeah. You know, I don't know if it's showing you a magic trick to tell you that, but I mean, fuck, I, I wrote that stuff. So you, you know, I mean, I, I mean, Christ, there's enough street of consciousness in this goddamn show that I don't need to apologize for having written bits. And maybe you want more written bits. Who knows? Write me, tell me, tell me if you'd prefer if I structured a show and wrote it. <laughs> I don't know what you guys want. It's only been 11 years. I, I should have a customer survey. I should call you guys. Uh, hello. Hi, I'm calling from the 40 year old boy podcast. Would you be willing to submit to a five minute survey for quality assurance? Um, so I went up after him and I just, I basically served what he had left. I mean, I, I, I did all that stuff. And then at the 25 minute mark, I segued into a story and, uh, I figured, you know what, I'm going to, there's a, there's two stories that everybody wants to hear all the time. And one of them is the George Arnold story. And one of them is the Seven Eleven story. So I went, you know what, I haven't done the Seven Eleven story in a while. So I'll go ahead and do that and bring that to these people. And, and, uh, because that's you know that's a relatable story certainly along with George Arnold. Um, I shouldn't I, should, I got to change that name of that. <laughs> Let's call it the shower story. Uh, so I did the Seven Eleven story, and in that story I can make that story last forty minutes. If I live in it, I can do it for forty minutes. But a truncated version is fifteen to twenty. 
Now, I started at the 25-minute mark, so I didn't know what I really, I had no idea where it was going to go. And I started telling the story, and it was a very interesting lesson for me. Because, you know, Graham did stand-up, I did stand-up for my first half, and then I told a 20-minute story, and it was odd. Now, I will tell you this. It did well. Okay, I did good. I didn't crush. I didn't tear the fucking place down. But I had a good set. Uh... The first half went went very well, but then the second half of the story, because people didn't know how to approach it. Like, you guys all know me, so you see me on the road, you're, you, I'll just throw out anecdotes, I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll spin all over the place, and I'll do that. Well, I was a little more focused in the opening stand-up, and then I said, well, I'll focus on the story, and I told the story, and uh, but it's a 20-minute story. I mean, there's laughs throughout it, and it got laughs, but here's the thing, it was, and it was a, not a failure, it was a... It was a mistake by me as a performer. Not even a mistake. How, how would I put it? Um, it's just people didn't know what to expect. So if you launch into a 20-minute story after doing 25 minutes of bang-bang stand-up, uh, you got to kind of bring them into who you are as a person. Like when I, so cause I, As I told the 7-Eleven story, you guys know how it goes. And if you don't know, if you're new, basically I had a job at a convenience store and things went awry. That's all I'll tell you. I'm not going to blow it here. But... Um, but as I'm telling the story, you know, there are beats to the story. There's a, you know, they come in once, they come in twice, they come in three times, and it, and it winds up being a bunch of beats. And uh, the audience, instead of seeing the humor in what was going on, I, I think, because again, let's put it this way. This is another good way to look at it. When I initially told that story, I told it on the podcast. You all heard it through the podcast. So you know the story. So when I tell it live, you can you can rejoice in it and, and revel in it with me because you know where it's going. You can appreciate the telling. You can appreciate the journey because you understand the ending. A room full of people who've never heard that story before don't know how it's going to end. The only thing they don't, the only thing they know for sure is that I'm not going to die because clearly I'm here telling the story. But if I tell a story about uh, falling asleep in a convenience store and being robbed, spoiler alert, uh, they're waiting for me to get knifed. They're waiting for for me to get jacked and they don't know where it's going. So they laughed at appropriate places, but also at the same time, when I started to explain, like, you know, they came in a third time, they stole this, they did this, they did this, uh... It was it was a really interesting social experiment because the people had empathy and they felt bad for me rather than seeing the humor in what had happened. So even on the on the beat, the wrap up, when I look at the manager and I talk to the cops, even on that, they were kind of like, oh, like they because I got fired and they, and they were like, they felt bad for me. And in my head, I'm like, you don't have to feel bad for me. I, it's okay to get fired from 7-Eleven because now I'm here telling the story. I'm here doing this. Like it was this thing where I kind of had to hold their hand through the end of it and go, no, it's, it's okay to laugh. I mean, it's just, but they, instead they felt, and, it, and I, I don't want to say it's a fault in the telling. It's just the fault in the telling was that in not explaining that these kinds of things happen to me and here's one of them. You know what I mean? I didn't, I, there was no preamble. I didn't go, Hey, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I do a podcast and I tell a bunch of stories about a bunch of crazy shit that's happened to me. Here's one of the crazier stories that's ever happened to me. And then, and then tell it or some sort of thing where I just go, Hey, uh, I'm a guy that weird things will happen to, or I've lived a lot of weird experiences. Anyway, I've got to figure out a way to couch it for people who don't know me, especially after 25 minutes of bang, bang, stand up. And then just trying to take them into a 20-minute story that has very interesting beats. Uh, I loved it. I loved, because here's why. 
I proved to myself that I can make strangers laugh, which was very important to me. Because when I eat, look, I see you guys, and you guys are very generous and awesome, and you love me, and you're predisposed to love me because you hear me on this show, which is fantastic, and I'm, I'm so grateful to you for it. But uh, if I want to do this more, and I want to go to different places, and I want to try to expand my horizons and open it up, you know, because every, every year I would do LA Podfest. And there would be a new person or a new couple of people or five new people would come up to me and they go, man, I have, I've never seen you. That was fucking amazing. Uh, what's your show? And then they, they'll write me emails and go, oh my God, where have you been? Why haven't I, I known about you? And I'm, I'm very gracious and I just say, I don't, I don't know, but thank you. It's cool that you're on board now and I hope you'll stay on board. Um, but for them to not know me and then see me and love what I do, that's, that's a triumph. That's a victory. So I need to figure out a way to tell things on stage in a way. And, and, and look, is this, I don't know, this is a lot of fucking rambling, but we're, uh, we're friends. So I'm just sharing it with you. I, I learned a great lesson. It was, it was fun. And, uh, and I, I, I was very happy about it. I was happy, even though I did good instead of leveling the fucking place. Uh, I told the story well, I got laughs and, and I learned and that, and that was really cool. And then when I went and talked, it's funny because I talked to Shannon about it and she's like, you know, you usually would beat yourself up. Like you'd be upset. You didn't kill. You'd be, and I go, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I normally would be very angry that I didn't do it right or I didn't do this and I'd hold myself accountable, but I, I did everything I could do and I was as funny as I could possibly be. And I got laughs throughout the entire thing. It's just, you know, it's not the kind of thing where it brings the house down, but that's okay. I recognize why I recognize that they, they wanted to feel bad for me in the story. They wanted to empathize with me, not realizing that I was cool with it with what had happened. Because, I mean, that's why I'm telling you the goddamn story, because it's, it's so ludicrous that that actually happened. Um, but I was proud and I was happy and I learned. And that's that's very important. So the show ended. I came off stage. And, of course, I, I'm, I'm immediately analyzing it in the green room. And Graham's like, man, that was great. And I'm like, thanks. I'm a little weirded out because that last story. And he goes, don't be, because you, you killed it. That was really good. I go, yeah, but I'm, and this is then I tell him I'm learning. And, I'm, and he just goes, he looks at me, he's like, shut up. You were funny. I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to go sell merch. I go, I'll be out there in a minute. So uh, I had a couple of glasses of water that I chugged because my throat was dry. And then I went outside and, uh, and I got to meet people. You know what I mean? I met, uh, I met some of the people at Graham they were there to see Graham's. They were there talking about politics in the fucking hallway of a bar. And it just, look, man, these people are taking change in the country very seriously. They are taking this reaching out and making things work <laughs> in this, in this fucking contentious environment. They're totally making an effort and good for them. I'm happy. I'm glad that they're excited. And then I'm glad they've got a guy like Graham to Sherpa them through. Uh, but then I wound up meeting the people who had come to see me. I meet, uh, I saw Wayne, Wayne, roast pork Wayne, who was going to bring me out. He, we actually put a picture in the Joker's page of me and Wayne uh, and his wife, Aaron, and he was so great. And um, he's like, are we hanging out? What are we doing? And I said, I don't know, because my flight was at 6 o'clock a.m. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm not sure. Because I was with Graham. That was a thing. Um, and Graham was like, man, I'm wiped. He goes, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to hang out because I'm flying also early in the morning. And I said, all right, we'll just keep me posted. And he's signing merch and I'm talking to people. And Wayne and his wife were, they were lovely and they were terrific. And then I said, I don't know how late this is going to go, if it's even going to go at all. I said, if you guys want to hang out, that's great. But right now I've got to be honest, I think I'm just going back to the hotel because Graham is, he's making noises about not. And also I was in Bellevue. If I'd have been in Seattle, it's a different story because I can Uber or Lyft back, but I didn't want to spend 35 bucks to get home because I didn't know how late I'd stay out. So I was just, Graham was my ride. So I, I had to do that, especially with the early flight. And Wayne, you know, I gave him a huge hug because I was, I was just so happy to meet him because he's been on board from the jump, man. He's been around since the beginning and his wife, Erin was very lovely and they were terrific and they had great things to say. And I was very happy to meet them. So they took off. And then, uh, Brent, 
uh, a gentleman named Brent came up to me with his wife, Megan. And uh, Megan with an H, in case you're wondering. And uh, Brent comes up to me and he's like, uh, dude. And, uh, and, uh, and Megan goes, it's me, Megan with an H. And I was, and initially I was like, I don't, uh, and so I looked at her and I go, uh, cause, right, cause I, I meet a lot of, uh, I've dealt with Megan's and stuff online and, and, um, and w- there was one Megan who had a nickname. Her husband had given her a nickname. Was it rabbit? I forget what it was. So I looked at, so I looked at the Megan with an H and I go rabbit. And she's just like, no, Megan with an H. And it turns out that Brent you know, I remember I always talk about cameo, that phone thing. Dude, Brent got a cameo, and I talked about it on the show. That was Brent. Remember, I said it was a stalker, and I didn't know who it was because they didn't give me his name, and then it just it was for Megan, but I didn't know who it was. It was Megan with an H. Um, so that was them. They were up there, and it turns out they live in Portland, but they came to the fucking show. And then Brent is telling me, you know, I saw you here in 2012 or 2011. He said, uh, and again, dudes, listen to this. This is this is you guys in a nutshell. This is amazing. This is how amazing all of you are. Brent, when he saw me in 2011, he took he took he was going to take a fucking bus from Portland to come and check out the show. He misses the bus, and uh, he winds up going on Craigslist to find somebody heading towards Seattle. And the guy gives him a ride to Seattle, doesn't charge him. So he gets to Seattle. He has a skateboard. I remember when he came to the show with his skateboard. I meet him afterwards, and then uh, he misses his bus because again it was a three hour fucking show. And he misses his bus, so he hangs out in Seattle overnight just skating. He skates all over Seattle, and then he sleeps in front of a bank. And then he gets a, uh, like a 5 a.m. Greyhound to go back to Portland the next morning. I mean, that's fucking, that's dedication. How can you not be moved or, or proud of the fact that you inspired that in people? And I was so happy when he told me the story. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. And then for him to come back and see me eight years later or six years later, with uh, with his wife, or seven years later, it was seven years later because it was 2011 that I was there, and um, he shows up with his wife, and she's she's just she was so fun, and and they were both laughing, and we're having a good time, we're talking and joking, and she's like, oh my god, I, you know, because she'd never seen me, she doesn't know anything about me, she's only heard bits and pieces of the show because he'll listen to me out loud sometimes without his earbuds in, and uh, she goes, it's so weird to hear your voice and see your face, like I didn't know what you'd look like, and I wasn't sure, and I'm like, all right, well, good, um, and as I'm talking to them, there was a guy named Jeremy who I knew was coming to the show. And uh, Jeremy was a guy, when they did Podcast-a-thon, Jeremy had bid on going to a baseball game with me and Pardo. Uh, but the thing is, Jeremy didn't get down to L.A. this year, so he's got that prize banked. So when he ever comes down here again, maybe next year, we'll all go to the game. But I had said to Jimmy, I go, hey, Jeremy's up in Seattle, right? Let me, I'll reach out to him while I'm up there, and maybe we can go have some dinner or something. So I did. And uh, he had been on a cruise all week, so he couldn't meet me or do anything. So, but then he's like, I'll come to the show Saturday night. So he's off sitting in the wings. Like, he didn't even come over. And I guess he felt he was bothering me. And I'm like, dude, come on over. So um, finally, me and him and Brent and Megan sit there. And we wind up talking. And Graham is talking to his people. And we're having a good time. And then Graham's uh, crowd left. And then Graham sat with us. And I'm like, what's the plan here, dude? And he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if uh, – he goes, I'm pretty wiped out. I'm like, all right. So, yeah, I might uh, – if we're going to go, we should probably go. And but also, I mean, how many times do I get the opportunity to meet a Jeremy? How many times do I get the opportunity? To, I mean, I mean, these people came from Portland to see me. And, and then I, so in my head, I'm like, I should hang out. I got to hang out. And everybody's like, they're saying to me, they go, Mike, you got to be on a plane at six. I go, so what? I mean, how often fucking, how many times can I, can I hang out here in Seattle? I'm never here. So if I'm here, let's do this. If Graham's going to go back to the hotel, because I looked at Jeremy first. I go, Jeremy, uh, are you mobile? And he goes, yeah. And I go, because I knew that, um, 
that Megan and Brent had taken a lift to the show. Uh, and, and so I said to him, I go, Hey, look, um, you know, I'm in Bellevue. Is there any way that you could possibly get me back there? You know, cause if that's the case, I'll hang out. And Jeremy's like, yeah, of course. So Graham split. And then I hung out and then I felt bad that Wayne and Aaron left. So I texted Wayne immediately through Facebook. I go, are you home yet, dude? I, cause it looks like we're going to hang out. And he's like, yeah, we're already home. And I'm like, fuck dude, I'm so sorry. I, I hope you understand. It wasn't blowing you off. It was just, I, I was going to go back to the hotel, but now Jeremy can take me. And he's like, dude, relax. That's fine. He goes, there's, you know, there's a sushi place across the street. You should go to, um, I said, all right, next time we're going to town, we're fucking destroying roast pork. He goes, I'm in, definitely. So me, Jeremy, and Megan, and Brent were trying to figure out where we're going to go. So then we were like, well, why don't we just eat here? So they had a late night ramen menu, but it turned out Megan didn't like ramen because Megan's got an H, and H people don't like ramen. I don't know what the fucking story was. Um, But I was just going to get some appetizers, but the the kitchen had closed. All they made was ramen after 10, which is the weirdest choice, but that's fine. I I was like, all right, cool. And then we went to... uh, you know, I, and then I said to Jeremy, I go, hey, look, can you take these two to uh, to to wherever we're going to go? And then they'll take a lift or whatever home. And he goes, yeah. And uh, and again, it's not my town. So he's like, would you want to go here? You want to go to Bellevue? And I go, well, look, I, I said, I know that 13 coins joint is open in, in Bellevue. And uh, God knows I want I'd love spaghetti carbonara. So let's fucking go there again. And uh, and he was on board. And, and so the four of us went in Jeremy's car. We wound up going to 13 Coins and we hung out. We got, we ordered French fries and bacon gravy and I ordered chicken fried steak. I ate, again, I ate half of a meal. Uh, I gave the leftovers to, to Scott, or to Scott, to Brent and, and Megan. And um, and we laughed. We just, we hung out for like two hours at the restaurant, just laughing and fucking goofing around. And, and, and I loved it. Because again, as I said, I love hanging out. And, uh, and so then Jeremy, Jeremy's like, you know, uh, I could probably, if you wanted, I could just, uh, I could take you to the airport tonight. Cause by the time we were done eating and stuff, hanging out at the airport, it was two o'clock at the restaurant. And he goes, I could take you to the airport. Um, if you didn't want to waste time, cause I had to take a lift from, cause Graham bailed on me. Graham was supposed to take me in the morning. He's like, dude, I'm wiped out. There's like no way I can get up and get you in the morning. Cause his flight didn't pan out. So he was flying later Sunday night. And I said, all right. So then Jeremy, I, you know, I figured I'd just get back to the hotel and take a lift. But then we were at the restaurant. We we're fucking around. We we're there for two hours. We we're having a good time. Um, and then Jeremy just goes, Hey man, if you want, I can take you to the airport tonight. If you want to just crash in the airport. And, uh, that always sounds like a good idea until you do it. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? Fuck. I'd be willing to do that. I'll take a shot at it. And, uh, cause then I pitched him first of all, I said, Hey, look, you know, here's a, here's an idea for you, Jeremy. I actually have two beds in my room. What if you came to my room? I packed and we just crashed. I, I was in one bed and you were the other. And then we got up in the morning and you took me. He said, well, the thing is I wouldn't be able to nap. I go, all right, but well, here's a better idea. What if I just went home and napped and you hung out there and watched TV. And then when it was time to go to the airport, you took me. <laughs> And uh, and he's like, yeah, that's uh, that's not happening. If I'm going to take, I'm going to take you now. I said, of course. So th- we'll do that. So um, we said goodbye to Brent and Megan. And Megan was on. She was on a nine day or a seven day social media embargo. And she's like, oh, I said, oh, well, send me a friend request or whatever, or write me or something because she's going to be here next month in September sometime. And she's like, what would you want to like go get something to eat or something? And I said, uh, and this is, I will tell you this. This made me laugh because I le- I learned two things. Two, I had two moments last week, and I actually wound up talking to Shannon about it, but I'll share them with you. Uh, a, a woman tweeted, if you ever, if, you know, guys, if you meet a woman and she extends her hand and you shake her hand, don't hug her. Because clearly she's put her hand out for you to shake it. She didn't want anything more intimate than that, and that's how you should handle it. And, dude, it braced me. 
Like it made me kind of sit up straight because I was like, whoa, because I do, I do not in a creep way, but I mean, I, you know, I hug dudes too. I'll go in for a hug. Like I'll shake a hand and I'll go in and I'll just put one arm around your shoulders. I don't lift, you know, I always say lift women up. You don't lift all women up. You know what I mean? You can't do that. Uh, but if you're just meeting somebody, I'll put, I'll, you know, I'll shake a hand and I'll put a hand around, arm around their shoulders. And, um, and so it made me go, man, I, you know, I don't want to be a creep, so I have to go ahead and stop doing that. You can't You can't just – it's not an invitation for physical contact. You just shake hands because we're all learning now, folks. In the time of Me Too, all of us are learning. Uh, so I, I learned that, but then also uh, Megan said to me, she's like, hey, I'm going to be there, Megan with an H. She goes, I'll be – because she's from Orange County. She's like, I'll be there next month. I, I'm, I'm going to be seeing my family and taking care of my grandmother. So if I'm in town, like would you – did you want to like maybe get lunch or something or uh, or hang out and – and I said, yeah, you know, that sounds fun. And I looked at Brent and I go, you know, would that be something? Are you cool with that? Would that you be okay? And, and Megan goes, uh, I'm my own person. And that, again, that was a life lesson for me. Cause I, uh, look, I won't lie to you. I'm, 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 I'm still gun shy in my head. When I was dating Jill, every guy was floating around and every guy was trying to get her to go out and she'd, she'd text me. She was at lunch with a dude or she was hanging out with a guy and, uh, I didn't like it. I mean, I, quite frankly, I fucking hated it. And so I mean, there'd be guys I didn't even fucking know who they were. And I'd say, I'd go, who are you with? And she'd go, oh, you don't know him. And I'd be like, what the fuck do you mean I don't know him? Tell me his fucking name. I would, I'd say it like that. I'd be like, well, honey, you should probably tell me. I mean, I mean I'll mean, i know him if you tell me who he is. Well, but no, you don't know him. He's just, he's an old friend. And I'm like, well, tell me, tell me his name. Like, dude, I went through that shit a fucking ton. Um, all right. So, so the, in my mind, uh, you know, I, I don't want to hang out with someone's wife unless he's cool with it. But then she, of course, he's cool with it. He's he's known, he's listened to the fucking show for, you know, over 10 years. He's seen me live twice. He meets me. And like she said, she goes, I'm my own person. She can make that decision. And and their their whole thing that, you know, he's not worried about it and she's not worried about it because they, and they're not worried about me. It just, it was a weird, it was great. I mean, it was cool to hear her say that because in my head I was like, oh, because I've, like I said, my brain is fucking fried from from the last four years, you know, three years. Uh, so I said, all right. I go, well, I'll tell you what. I go, even if you wanted to come by and you could listen to the podcast. She's like, oh, my God, could I? And then I'm like, well, could you handle that, though? Like, you haven't even, you don't even, <laughs> you don't listen to the podcast. Why would you want to be in the room when I did it live? Uh, but she laughed at the live show. And then at fucking, you know, at the 13 Coins joint, she, I had her laughing her balls off. So, I mean, I, I guess she thinks I'm funny and it would be worth it. So I said, yeah, if you want to come by, just let me know when you're in town. So, uh, so you, you stick around folks. There might be, I'm giving you a little coming attraction. There might be a Megan with an H sighting on this show next month. Um, but we said goodbye to them. That was cool. And then Jeremy took me to the hotel. I went to the extended stay. I packed it all up and, uh, and then I went to the airport and I crashed for three hours. I got on the plane and I flew home and, uh, and it was a fucking fantastic trip. It was one of those things again, where in the beginning, you can talk yourself out of it. You can be like, ah, fuck, you know, this, uh, I don't want to do this and I got to get ready and I got to be up early and fly here and pack and I can't find a place to stay. And I, I, dude, I eliminated that whole thing from this trip. I took it all out. I said, no, man, I'm not, I'm not even doing it. That's, I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy this. And I did. I had the fucking best time. I took photos. Uh, I, I didn't film the band too. I said to myself, don't, I, I only have like two video clips because I wanted to enjoy the show. So many people just film the show and they forget that the show's going on in front of them. Uh, and I have, I, I just, I only filmed them twice. I have two video clips. I know three, not 10. I, I, I filmed the whole show. Anyway, I'll have a bootleg. I'll sell it later. <laughs> um, no, but I wanted to be present. I wanted to be in the moment for all of it. I wanted to enjoy the show. And also, oh, here's this thing. Oh, you know, I, I may have, like I just said, all the people I hung out with after the show, you know who I didn't hang out with? What name did I just not say that I did not? 
Dude, fucking Mike. Fucking uh, Southern Mike who brought me to the show and got me a laptop. He was supposed to come to the Saturday show. And then in my head, I'm like, why the fuck? And then in my head, I'm like, is he, oh, man, I hope he didn't get hurt or something. Or did he have to leave early because he had work? He told me, you know, he was leaving on a red eye Sunday night because he had to be at work Monday morning. He was literally leaving like 9 o'clock p.m. Sunday night. Uh, and he loses three hours in the air and he had to go right to work at 5 a.m. So, I mean, he would have just been fucking wiped out. So, uh, I, I was going to text him and then I go, well, maybe just, you know, and then in my head, you know me, uh, I, I just go, man, he must have, he must have hated it. Like, I mean, he must have hated the fucking show and he doesn't want to stick around and tell me. And, and now I'm mad that I let him down. I mean, this is a guy, again, he's listened to the show forever. He gives me a laptop. He brings me to Pearl Jam. And then, uh, and, and maybe he wasn't too thrilled about watching me learn a lesson on stage about telling stories. Maybe he wasn't on board with it and it wasn't what he expected because he didn't get to see me. I did play. Uh, you know, well, he, oh, fuck, he lives in Atlanta. I'll just tell you. So I didn't, he, when I was in Atlanta, he didn't get to come to the show, uh, whatever that was six years ago. So this was his first time seeing me. And then when he doesn't show up after the show in my head, I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck dude, that's, that's no good. Uh, he must've taken off because he hated it. So I wound up not even being able to text him until like the next day. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm home. Uh, you know, I got, I got home to LA and I said, I don't, uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know how I lost you. And he's like, no, man, I was there because I, I wound up getting a, a standby flight and I had to leave right away. I couldn't even hang out to shake hands. I just I, I went right out the door. And so I'll have to take his word for it that he enjoyed the show and he thought it was fun and funny. Uh, but regardless of that, at least I was able to tell him in person how much his helping me, helping the show, caring enough to listen, caring enough to reach out and, and support financially and personally meant to me. And that's the thing I like to do whenever I go anywhere, you know, to tell Brent and Megan, to tell Jeremy, because and now Jeremy is on board with Patreon. He signed up after I left, and uh, I'm excited to go to the baseball game with him next year when he comes to town. And and, and that's why I want to go everywhere and talk to everybody and, and thank you guys. It's been 10 years, man, 10 years of doing this show. I'm into 11th year, and, and any per, anytime I get to look you in the eye and shake your hand and not go in for a hug, as we've learned, uh, is going to be the best. So I, I've got Toronto coming up next month. I'll talk about that on the other side here. And... Uh, and any time I can get anywhere where you guys are and I can tell you to your face exactly how much it means to me that you've listened to the show this long and that you're on board, I will take that opportunity and I will live in it and I will enjoy it and I will not tell myself it's a hassle and I will not tell myself that it's not something I want to do and talk myself out of it. Uh, I will be present and I will be in the moment and I will take your hand and I will look you in the eyes and I will thank you for everything you've given me and for allowing me the opportunity to travel to Seattle, see Pearl Jam and do a couple of shows or travel to Toronto and throw axes and go to a Blue Jays game. And goddamn, it's just, it's, it's a good life. I, I, (laughs) I can get in my own way sometimes and I can tell myself it's the wrong thing, but goddamn, it's a good life. And thank you. You guys have been there for me and you're still going to be there for me. And, and I'll be here for you. Let's be here together and let's, let's have a good life together, man. I sound manic, depressive, and weird. Like, this is a good moment for me. And next week I'll be like, boo-hoo, everything sucks. And I don't mean to be that guy. Um, I'm genuinely excited about the way things are going. Again, my apartment and uh, whether my earbuds work or not. Uh, and coming to see you guys. And I, I feel in a good place with the show and with telling stories and going out and doing live stuff. And with Twitch coming up and streaming. I mean, man, I'm excited. And, and I hope you'll come along for all of it. And I can't wait to do live stuff and look you in the eye and tell you personally exactly how much you mean to me. Because uh, it's a good life. Thank you. Click. Tacos. You guys can get me at MikeAndMikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can be my friends at Facebook.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. 
You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can follow me at Snapchat and Instagram. That's right. I'm over there at Mike40YOB, Mike40YOB, Snapchat and Instagram. I'm over there. Go ahead and check me out, please. And the Twitch channel is the 40-year-old boy. It's, uh, you know, and it's number 40. So it's T-H-E-4-0 and then year old boy. But you'll find me on there. Go ahead and subscribe to the Twitch channel. And that's going to be live soon enough. As soon as uh, I can get Jaden over here and as soon as the apartment gets done, uh, I, you know, I may stream some podcasts. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, man, but I've got, I, I am excited for all of the fucking possibilities. So subscribe to the Twitch channel. I'd love to have you over there. Uh, and again, like I said, that's Facebook, that's Twitter, that's Snapchat, that's Instagram. I'm all over the place. Go ahead and check me out. I'm bad. I'm nationwide. Please be there for me. Uh, Ryan Dirks is the web guy for this show. He does all the cool ass stuff that you see on there. He builds our website like a Tetris puzzle. You can find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks and thank him for the good work he's done on the new Mike If you haven't gone over and checked it out, please do. Uh, it's out there. It's amazing. And, and, uh, and it's all great work by our friend, David Hernandez, who I will talk about in just a second. But, uh, first super fan, Gio Giovanni, Giorgio Peluso, not super fan of me, but super fan of others. He is, uh, he is our tech guru. Uh, he, he, you know, built the YouTube channel. He convinces me and tells me the things I need to do now that I'm a cord cutter. He's telling me how to get my TV and what internet I got to get for the best streaming. And he's my go-to guy. And I, I appreciate that. He's the best. You can find him at facebook.com slash Giovanni Giorgio Peluso. And you can hear him on all of his podcasts. He is, uh, he is the, you know, he hosts the Get It On Geo podcast, the Get It On, and also the Outdoors FAQ podcast. You can find him on that. He does all the Love Line stuff where he puts together all the old Love Lines. He finds all the tapes. He scrubs them. He nurtures them. He does everything he can to make them polished up and beautiful for you to listen to and put them into your naked, steaming ears. So go ahead and check out the Love Line stuff and thank Geo for all of his hard work. And I will tell you this, uh, in a couple of weeks, he's also uh, kind of guest hosting, I guess you would say, introducing clips for the Adam Carolla best of week. And, uh, and I think I'm going to be included in that best of week in case you've never heard my Adam Carolla. Uh, it's coming up. I don't have an exact date. Well, I think it's August 27th, but I'll wait to see if anything changes. I shouldn't tell you about it yet. Cause you'll forget. But, uh, if you never heard my appearance on Adam Carolla, you'll want to check that out because that's coming up and it was fun. I had a great time and I'd love to go back eventually. And you guys who write and go, Hey, you should go back on with, uh, with Adam or go on with Joe or go on with, uh, all these other people. Yes, you're absolutely right. Let's let's see what we can do. Uh, but go ahead and listen to that. Well, I'll, I'll get you when the day gets closer. I'll tell you for sure when it's going to be. But that's Geo. He does all that cool uh, ass stuff for us. He's the super fan of Adam Carolla and a super fan of others as well. But not me really. But he's just my friend. Uh, and David Max Hernandez does all the cool ass artwork and music for this show. He is the best, as you know. If you go ahead and check out MikeSchmidtComedy.com, you can see all of the new artwork that he's done. I'll tell you more about that on the other side, of course. Uh, he does all of the artwork for the show. He does the music, the things you've heard. He's uh, he's my consigliere. He's my uh, trusted confidant. He's amazingly talented, and you can see a lot of that talent on display at artbydmh.com. That's where he displays all of the artwork that you can purchase for sale. He's got guy cons. He's got valscapes. He's got uh, custom artwork that he can do for you. If, you. if you want something special, if you think to yourself, you know what? Can you paint a painting of yourself, painting a painting of yourself, painting a painting of a valscape? He can make that happen, goddammit. If you said, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you paint my face on a grain of rice? And uh, deliver it to me in a Jack Burton truck. He can probably do half of that. He can go grain of rice. I don't know if he's got a Jack Burton truck. Checks in the mail. 
Uh, but he's all those things and more. So if you go to artbydmh.com and you want custom artwork, he can do it. He can sell you any of his pieces that he already has that are on display there at the site. Reach out to him. Let him do your work for you because I can tell you he does amazing work. You see it every week on this show. You can go see it at artbydmh.com. He's there. Send him some money and he'll send you something cool. That's artbydmh.com, A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H. That's David Hernandez at artbydmh, A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H. I'm going to say it one more time. David Mex Hernandez, artbydmh.com, A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. Good times for a change. See the gigs I've had can make a good man turn bad. So please, please, please. Let me, let me, let me, let me get what I want this time. Haven't had a dream in a long time. See, the life I've had could make a good man bad. So for once in my life, let me get what I want. Lord knows it would be the first time. Lord knows it would be the first time. Sponsors, so many sponsors of this show, including sponsors who tell me to sing their plug. Nobody tells me that. Uh, so we have sponsors, folks, as you know, of this show, mainly our good friend Fearful Jesuit at the Paranoid Strain podcast, which you can hear right now in iTunes. What? Yes, of course. It's there right now. Podcasts, advertising podcasts. Yes. What? Uh, go check out his show, The Paranoid Strain. It's available now in the iTunes store and wherever finer podcasts are sold. This particular edition that is out there right now is about 9-11. You may have heard of 9-11, or at least you've certainly not forgotten about it, I'll tell you that. And I will tell you this, in my videotapes, I found a whole bunch of 9-11 tapes. I've got like five. I just started filming the day it happened. So I've got four videotapes, five videotapes filled with just a day and a half two days worth of 9-11, 9-12 footage. Then I've got like the concert that was held a couple of weeks later on HBO. I've got the first Letterman show. I've got the Daily Show. I've got Conan's show. Uh, and I'll never see anything to do with it. I, I, it's, just, it's all on a videotape that I'm never going <laughs> to transcribe or digitize because, oh my Christ, is that a lot of money? I'll talk about that later, perhaps. Uh, but right now you can go to Fearful Jesuit's uh, show and listen. If you want to learn all about 9-11 without learning about what's on my videotapes, go ahead and check out the show. Uh, Fearful Jesuit, I will tell you this. It is a uh, 
sonically, it is so impressive to show the achievement because uh, he actually lived through it. He was in New York when it happened. He saw the towers come down, or the, at least the second tower. And uh, and he talks to a bunch of his friends that he still uh, is in contact with, that he knows that he lived that day with, where on uh, different parts of the city. And he gets their stories. That, and that's just, that's the opener. And then, it, you're, then you're off and running. Then he deals with conspiracy theories and things like that. And uh, it's phenomenal work. I mean, I, I can't, I can't stress enough. And I actually talked to fearful Jesuit today and he filled me in. He's like, hmm, or no, it was it today. Uh, well, yeah. And he, he filled me in. He's like, yeah, you know, we got, uh, he's like, can you keep a secret? So I shouldn't even have brought it up because guess what? It's secret, but he's got a lot of cool stuff coming up. So, uh, subscribe to the show in iTunes. And then, like I said, leave a review there in the iTunes store, write him a personal note to tell him that you found out about the show through us because it lets him know that the sponsorship is working. And uh, most importantly of all of those things, just listen. Listen to the show because it is a show that he's proud of and he should be. And it's a show that I admire and I should do that as well. And you will too. Once you listen to it, you'll be like, man, this is this is hard work to do something like this. And when I hear him put it together, uh, it's, it's just, it's really good stuff. So please check out The Paranoid Strain. It's in the iTunes store. And, uh, and this, like I said, this month you're learning all about 9-11. And if you want to learn about first responders, well, you know, if, you, if you want to learn about them, if you want to support your first responders, our good friend, Paul Pepper, he's got a truck. Uh, hi. Uh, hi, this is Car. We're in a truck. That's from uh, Blues Brothers. Um, the Dark Knight First Responder Tribute Truck. And Dark Knight with an N, not a K. The Dark Knight First Responder Tribute Truck is on Facebook now and also on Instagram. If you want to go... And please like the page. Go find you. Go to Facebook and look up Dark Knight First Responder Tribute Truck. Please go and like the page. That's all you got to do. I'm not asking you to do anything. I don't have to buy anything. He's just trying to raise awareness because then when he has uh, there's events. Hold on. Can you hear that siren? That's what the fuck's going on outside. That's not good news. Zombies. Uh, let's see. That got really close. <laughs> Recording in this room. It's by I'm by a different window. I'm not by the front window, uh, and I'm also closer to the street. And when I'm out on the street, oh, 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 sirens will interrupt your podcast when you're out on the street. Anyway, uh, the Dark Knight First Responder, stupid, First Responder Tribute Chuck is available now at Facebook. Go like that page. And uh, if you've got an event that you want him to bring the truck out to, because, again, the the, the work on it is phenomenal. The painting and, uh, like I said, in the stripes on the truck are, are all of the first responders who uh, who were brave enough and unfortunately gave their lives at 9-11. There's a 9-11 theme here on the way out of the show. But go find the Dark Knight First Responder Tribute Truck on Facebook. Like the page. If you want to leave a note on there and say we sent you, that's fucking cool too. It lets Paul know that it's working. Uh, but mainly he just wants to raise awareness about the truck and uh, and about his tributes and his... Um, how much he admires first responders and the work that they do. And as, as you know, I've got plenty of cops here listening. I got Lou, I got Michael, I got Mark, I got a bunch of other guys. So thank you, uh, everybody, for all the things that you do and how cool you are. And thank you, Paul, for thinking that anybody here would want to see your truck and sharing it with us. Go to the Dark Knight First Responder Tribute Truck page on Facebook and like it, please, uh, because that will let him know that you're you're paying attention and you're listening to the show. And uh, and reach out to our good friend Paul. Reach, reach out. Reach out and take it. I was going to do the Cheap Trick song, and I couldn't figure out if it was that or the Supremes. Reach out and touch somebody's truck. Make it a first responder truck for the dark night. I, I'm making up. I got a lot of singing in this on this uh, plugs, in the plugs. Uh, so that's our sponsors, folks. Hey, you know what? I do a thing called Cameo. 
You might have heard about it because Megan with an H loved my cameo that I gave her. Then I talked about it on the show, courtesy of Brent. Um, it's it's on your website. It's called Book Cameo, I think dot com, or you can find download the Cameo app and can hire me to shout at people in your family. You're like, fuck, sorry. Uh, you can maybe that siren's coming for me. They're going to take me away to the sleep jail. Uh, you can reach out. And, uh, and book me to read a note. And I will tell you this. Megan left a glowing review for me because she said, you know what? Uh, I actually bought one for my sister of somebody else that she might like or if she bought it for somebody in her family or a friend. And uh, she said, you know, they, they left like a 20-second message. She said, we browsed around. And she goes, because I left her like a five-minute message, six-minute message. Well, you know why? Because I can't shut the fuck up, obviously. But, uh, but she liked it. And maybe you'll like it too. And maybe somebody in your family or whoever the fuck will like it as well. So please book me through Cameo so I can shout at you or shout at your friend. Or, you know, here's here's a novel idea. Why don't you hire me to shout at the devil? Why don't you hire me to shout? Shout. Shout. Shout at the devil. Uh, is a wolf standing lonely in the night. He's a bloodstain on the stage. Uh, I moved way back from the microphone there. I hope it didn't hurt your ears. So please book me through your Cameo thing. Make it happen. Do that cool ass thing. Uh, remember, I was on a million podcasts. I was on uh, I was on Rock Solid with the Guns and Roses show, which is still getting really good feedback. I did Cheryl Jones's Movies Made Me podcast. That was cool. I was on Never Not Funny a couple of weeks ago. That's still lurking, probably in their archives. So go ahead and find me at all of those cool places. I mentioned that Adam Carolla thing. I think that's the twenty seventh. I'll let you know as we go further along, and I know for sure when it's going to be. Um, and that's a rerun. I'm not on a new show, but you'll if you want to hear me from 2011 talking about being fat with uh, with Adam, it was great. Uh, remember that on Facebook, I've mentioned before, you can be my friend on there. We've got the Little Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade page. Now, I haven't been there in about, uh, oh, since I went to Seattle. Um, but I'm, I'm ready to dive back in, and I hope you are too. Our friend Scott and, and all these other people. Our friend Adriana is, is there taking care of business. I believe I said it correctly there. Uh, but everybody, they're starting Fitbit challenges. And it, look, it's I won't lie, it's waning. It's dying out a little bit, but there are people who are keeping it alive. Our friend Scott, people like that. And I know I need to take point on it a little bit more, and I want to. I really do. So, uh, But back from Seattle and then getting the apartment done and figuring out whatever the fuck else, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's got in my way a little bit, but I, it's out there. Go to the Little Schmitty's Attaboy Fit Brigade page on Facebook, sign up, and uh, and show us when you're doing your push-ups, man, because we all want to know. Like I said, Adriana's going out to do fucking exercises. She's, everybody's putting up graphs and charts, and and I'm proud of everybody there who's involved. I need to be more involved, but I'm proud of everybody, and I'm I'm joining you soon. I promise. The rebirth thing, it's uh, it's 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 taking hold. Not only is it the apartment and and work habits and ethics and uh, all sorts of stuff. It's everything else. So uh, so I will join you. I promise. But uh, but you guys are keeping it alive, and I do appreciate that very much. Thank you so much. Um, remember, I'm going to be in Toronto, and I have a venue now. I'm going to be in Steve's Music Store, the lounge in Toronto. Uh, it's it's our buddy Rick Wellbanks is the coolest, and he wound up securing the attic or the the lounge upstairs in his music store where he works. And I will be there doing a show. I'm there the like the 17th through the 22nd of September. I'm not sure what day we're doing the show yet. I think it might be the Wednesday, possibly the Thursday. And here's what I'm going to do, Toronto, because everybody's so cool. A bunch of people from Toronto came down to see me in Cincinnati, uh, which was really nice. And I appreciated that very much. So, Toronto, uh, I'm not, I don't even, I don't think I'm going to put tickets on sale for this show. I think I'm just going to do a show. And if you guys would, you know, if you want to pass the hat or if you want to throw in something or whatever, because I mean, I'm staying at Ken's house. I'm I'm coming out. I'm flying. I'm, it's it's gonna be, 
you know, I usually book these shows because they cover the trip and stuff like that. And, and, but I, I'm coming out to have fun and then I'll do a show on top of it. And, and so I don't, I, I don't think I'm going to put tickets on sale. If I do, they're going to be, well, fuck now nah, I'm already going back on it. Uh, fuck it. No, I'm just doing a show. I'm doing a show in Toronto. Come on out. And, uh, and it'll be a pay what you can show. We'll do it that way. Usually I charge 20 bucks, but we'll do a pay what you can. We'll pass the hat and, uh, you know, you give me cash that day or, or don't even just come to the show and have a good time. Cause we're going to hang out at Rick's, uh, at Rick's work. It's the, you know, the Steve's music store, the lounge, and I'll go out, I'll talk. I mean, I might just hang out with you guys, but I might go on stage and maybe tell some stories, whatever. We'll figure it out. But there'll be all sorts of activities during the week too. I know we're going to a Jays game. And uh, there might be vice involved, I've been told this time, because there wasn't vice the last time. We kept it very wholesome. But uh, perhaps we'll go uh, visit a Canadian strip club. Perhaps we'll go visit a Canadian comedy club. Perhaps we'll just sit around uh, Ken's house and have a Canadian club. Who knows? All of those things are in play. Uh, But Toronto, I'll be at Steve's Music Store Lounge the week of September 17th to the 22nd. No official date just yet, but I'll have it. But but start thinking about it. Thinking about coming to town. And like I said, it's you know what? I'm going to do a, it'll be a pay what you can show. We'll do it that way this time because uh, Toronto's been good to me and I love coming back. So we'll, we'll work it out that way. Um, please go to our website, MikeSchmidtComedy.com. We've got uh, the Joe Business page, which is the merchandise page. Go check it out. We've got stuff for sale that uh, if you don't have it, you'll probably want it. And uh, the most important thing, though, is there's the Amazon link on there. Go ahead and click the Amazon link, please. And we get money, they get money, you get stuff. It works out perfectly. You're using Amazon anyway. Jeff Bezos isn't the richest motherfucker in the world for nothing. You guys are out there and you're giving him money for all this click and clack. Uh, That's the second reference of click and clack in the show. Um, But please use our link because then we get a taste of it, man. We want a taste of the gig. We just want to wet our beaks. It's all we want to do, man. We just want to Don Finucci. We want to wet our beaks for the black hand. Just go ahead there and you, we get money. They get money. You get stuff. And then eventually you can just kill me in my hallway as you d- turn a light bulb the wrong way. And then you leave me laying there and you disassemble the gun. You throw it down the fucking uh, chimney. And then you buy another gun from Amazon. See, go ahead and buy a gun on Amazon. Shoot me in my hallway after just uh, turning the light bulb so it's off. And then run on the rooftops and disassemble that gun and then go buy another one. Do the whole thing all over again. Kill all the Dons. Uh, starting with me, the Finucci of this show, the Black Hand. Um, so please, <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, but go and use the Amazon link. We get money, they get money, you get stuff. It works out perfectly for you. It works out very well for us. And then you get to look around at MikeSchmidtComedy.com and see the cool-ass new website with all the badass oil paintings that our friend Ma- uh, Max has done. They're so good. And let me throw this out to you. I need help, folks. I'm going to throw this to you. As I've mentioned, I'm a cord cutter. So right now I haven't had, dude, I haven't watched TV in like a month. I didn't turn the TV on once in fucking Seattle. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I haven't watched any chops or any of the, I, I, you know, the TV's been out since fucking July 1st. So I, I haven't, I mean, I'll watch sports online. I'll, I'll throw on stuff on my phone and watch the highlights of MLB games. But, um, you know, with football season coming up, I got to get this fucking rectified. But the point is, here's what I'm asking you. I, uh, you know, Geo's coming at me and he's like, dude, you got to do YouTube TV and Netflix and possibly HBO Go. And I love all of these ideas. I've looked into them. I love the idea of, of getting HBO, I'm sorry, of getting uh, Netflix for sure. But I also like YouTube TV. It looks interesting to me, whatever. But I need recommendations from you guys, uh, what internet you use. Now, I have to recognize, of course, that the internet is going to be different here in fucking California because I looked and I can't get top speed because I'm in an old building and it's for grandfathers and, and that's fine. 
But tell me if you have any experience using what you like. I mean, a Spectrum is the one I think I'm going to have to go with. Uh, I tried to get Fios and I can't get it in my building. I don't want to stay with AT&T, but I already cut, you know, when I whack DirecTV, I want to cut AT&T loose and I might even want to cut them loose on the, on the fucking cell phone too. I mean, and I got people telling me to go to T-Mobile. I got, I've had people telling me forever to go to Verizon. I don't know. So any suggestions that are interested, I want to know what you're talking about. I want to know what you use and what you like. And now this show has turned into a bullshit thing where I reach out to you guys for fucking suggestions. Why? Why wouldn't I just be funny? Isn't it? I'm supposed to be funny at the end of the show. This is supposed to be a comedy show. And now I'm out, please, everybody send me a suggestion for a phone. What the fuck, man? That's just, that's the shit you call your uncle for. You talk to your mom or your brother. And look, we're friends and family and we're all tight and stuff like that. But the last thing you want me to do is use my national podcast to solicit for cable fucking recommendations or phone recommendations. Jesus, that's the kind of shit you post on a message board at your coffee house. You know what, folks? This show is no longer a podcast. It's just a fucking verbal cork board. And I'm going to stick a bunch of shit in it. And you come along and take a little slip of paper and you contact me later for a piano lesson. Or you tell me something about how you want my real estate. Or you tell me what you think about fucking variety. And Jesus Christ, how weak is that that I would reach out to you guys for that kind of a suggestion? I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought it was going to, it sounded good in my head. I'm like, hey, I'll go ahead and talk to these guys about that. But then it's like, fuck that, man. This is a goddamn entertainment show. You, you think Leno would stop that? Well, he's a bad example. You think fucking Conan O'Brien would stop his show in the middle and go, hey, what kind of chef's knife do you guys use? I mean, no, of course he wouldn't. He would do a comedy show about it. And then he would take you aside, maybe backstage, and say, hey, what kind of chef's knife do you use? He'd whisper it in your ear because that's him. He's a professional entertainer. Come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick. Egg, egg.